Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. A Beautiful Wish Part 1 by 800 IB Gorilla Prologue Beyond the cliffs of torment there was nothing. The sunset cast its dying glow on the seas, crashing against the black volcanic rocks of the cliffs. Large curtains of steam blasted off the meeting between stone and sea, as the waves mixed with the liquid hot sludge cascading down the rock face of distant Mount Hatred. Any normal man would have stayed worlds away from this dreadful place, but Sir George of Battlehaven was no normal man. He fought in the biggest wars, climbed the tallest mountain, and drank from the deepest of tankards. But today, he fought not for country, or glory, or fun, but for his love, Gwenna, the Lady of the Dawn. She had been kidnapped by the devil dragon Califax, and it had fallen to the most skilled, powerful, and courageous men to slay the dragon and free the young maiden from certain doom. Having reached the monster's lair along the coast, George proceeded towards the giant cave mouth. It bore an uncanny resemblance to the dragon itself. Gnarly fangs, eyes thin and piercing, scales the shape of broad axe heads, were mere details to Sir George. His path was set regardless of the danger. No beast would stand in his way. He would slay them all if they kept him from his love. He spotted the freshly charred remains of another knight with visions of righteous glory. He recognized the coat of arms on his shield. He had served with this man in a previous battle. The knight had been a good man, better than most. But too young and cavalier to truly have a fighting chance against the dragon. Sir George knew he was better. He would not make the crispy knight's mistakes. As he was about to enter the cave he heard a scream from deep inside, followed by a thunderous roar over his ears and a flash of intense heat over his skin. Sir George was immediately alarmed, but managed to catch his wits before they abandoned him completely. That scream was not a scream of pain or anguish, but of fear. No doubt the dragon was torturing her with threats of dismemberment and fiery torment. Sir George knew this was part of the fun. The dragon wanted to hear her beg before he devoured her, to see her cower in his awesome presence. He proceeded into the enormous cavern. Deeper and deeper he went to where the screams, roars, and heat had their source. He rounded a bend and stopped. On an outcropping above a large, bubbling pool of magma was Gwenna, chained to two large wooden stakes, her dress torn and singed, her perfect skin exposed and dirted. He called out to her. Gwenna, my love! Do not fear! I have come to take you to safety! Her expression went from hopeless to joyful in moments, as she caught glimpse of her salvation. But her happiness was short-lived as she remembered the horror. No! Run, George! He knows you are he! It was too late. Califax burst forth from the pool of magma and thrust forward with a jagged claw, grasping Sir George and lifting him off the ground. Slowly, the beast lifted him up to better gaze into the eyes of his latest adversary. So you thought you could best the mighty Califax? You are mistaken. I am immortal. Omnipotent. Exalted. Epic. Sir George was undaunted. You forgot aromatic. Yes, thank you. Wait. You mock the great and all-powerful Califax. Prepare to face oblivion mortal. The dragon launched Sir George into the air and propped open his giant mouth in anticipation of his next meal. But Sir George was no greenhorn. He had been waiting for this chance all along. As he plunged into the great maw Sir George drew his blade. The great dragon swallowed the night hole as Gwenna wailed in anguish. You see, girl. None know what they face when the ERP, wa, GWWWARG. Suddenly, from the belly of the beast appeared a large gash. From it sprang Sir George, covered in the blood and gore of the dragon who he had slain from the inside out. Califax's death cries reverberated throughout the cavern as copious amounts of blood spewed from the gaping wound in his chest. When he had finally roared his last, he collapsed in a heap against the back wall of the cavern causing part of the wall to fall away, making a convenient staircase leading up towards Gwenna's prison. Sir George wiped the dragon innards off his armor and boldly climbed the mountain of rocks and dragon. My hero! cried out Gwenna, partly relieved and partly crying with joy. I knew you would come for me, my love. Sir George paused at the landing and took in the sight before him. There was the object of his romantic obsession, bound, and partially nude, her shredded dress only covering the most private of areas. Her taut stomach was bare, 
Her gorgeous legs were exposed save for a few pieces of shredded fabric. Her large breasts were dangerously close to spilling out of the once magnificent garment. Only a single shoulder strap remained, the other hung down like dead weight, and no longer did anything but give Sir George a tantalizing view of her impressive cleavage. Sir George felt all pretense of chivalric ideals and courtly love melt away, as he gazed upon her helpless yet incredibly sexy form. Gwenna noticed the handsome knight's lecherous stares and began to realize what was going through his mind. Immediately she began to tense up and squirm in her chains. George? Let me go, George! She pleaded. But instead of reaching for the chains he reached for the straps on his armor. He let the pieces fall away until he was down to the cotton shirt and pants worn to make his armor more comfortable. Gwenna watched anxiously as the handsome knight approached her, stopping just short of touching her. He looked directly into her eyes and could see the fear mixed with anticipation and lust. Please, George, she said in a low whisper. He reached out and put his hands on her hips, gently, and pulled her close to him. He nuzzled her neck and kissed her soft skin while moving his hands around her back. Gwenna had never felt the touch of a man, but immediately responded to his loving touch with sweet low moans. She didn't struggle as he took control completely. Starting with the small of her back, he moved his left hand up until it reached her bare shoulder. His lips followed his fingertips as he placed small kisses up and down her arm. She tasted of sweat and heat and earth. He savored the taste like a fine wine. As he returned to her shoulder she let out a quivering sigh in anticipation of him dropping down to touch her breasts. Instead he went lower to her flat stomach and continued his gentle caressing. While outwardly, she made no attempt to stop or direct him, she was at odds with her own mind. A voice was telling her that this was wrong and that she should be ashamed for letting him have such free reign over her womanhood. But her pride was no match for another voice that screamed for attention from this handsome and courageous man who had risked his life to save her, a man who wanted nothing more at that moment than to make her feel incredible. Gwenna watched desperately as his hands traveled slowly from her small ankles up her shapely calves to the back of her thighs. She gasped as he reached under the remains of her dress took hold of her tight butt. His eyes level with her mound, he ripped remaining pieces of fabric away with his teeth. Finally, her pussy was exposed. She blushed. Oh George please, please touch me. But he didn't just yet, there was more he wanted to save her first. He stood up until he was once again looking her in the eyes. She was quivering, and found it hard to stand as she melted into his gaze. He reached up and took hold of her breasts, squeezing and tweaking. Gwenna cried out in ecstasy as he touched her. Then in one swift motion he ripped the remaining fabric away leaving her completely nude. He dropped down and took her left breast in his mouth. It tasted of cotton and goose down. He began to grind his hardened cock against her. She threw her leg up and around him to support herself. She cried out. George! Get up, George! You'll be late if you don't get up! Suddenly she put her hands on his shoulders, even though they had been chained just moments before, and shook him vigorously. She looked him in the eyes. Seriously, George, you need to get up now. If you're late for work again, you're gonna be sorry. George awoke in a panic. He tried to sit up, but was quickly stymied by the fact that he was tangled in his bed sheets, the corner of his pillow stuffed in his mouth. He rolled over trying to free his legs from the interwoven sheets, but rolled too far, he fell off his bed, knocking a floor lamp over on top of himself in the process. As the dream fog dissipated he became aware of his mother, Jessica, laughing from the doorway to his room. That was quite a show. Are you sure you didn't plan that out ahead of time? Actually, I just really hate this lamp. He said as he clumsily unraveled himself and stood the lamp back up. She laughed a bit harder but quickly reverted to mom mode. Come on it's almost 7.30. Linda is gonna have your ass if you're late again. Oh shit, is it really? His eyes darted to his alarm clock. Damn it, I'm never gonna make it on time now. Come on now, you really will be late with that attitude. Here, I'll lay out your clothes and get your lunch ready. You take a quick shower and you'll be out the door in ten minutes. George did some quick figuring and realized that if the traffic was light he could still make it. He bounded down the hall into the bathroom and jumped in the shower. He watched himself in a frenzy, painfully aware of his raging hard-on from the dream which he was beginning to forget. He was tempted to rub it out quickly, but decided against it. He disliked masturbating in the shower because he could never get enough friction to finish quickly. And there was always the off chance that his mom or one of his two younger sisters would walk in on him. He got caught once by his oldest sister, Haley. Since then, whenever he spent longer than ten minutes in the bathroom he got ragged on. Instead he decided to hum his song. It was the first song George's father, Henry, 
had ever taught him to play on his guitar. George was only seven, and his little fingers could barely reach all the strings. But when George's father died a year later, George began to play it whenever he needed help. Just humming a few bars had the power to calm and soothe him. Even now, at 19, the song would make him forget, for a brief moment at least, that his life was turning out to be less than ideal. It was slow and sorrowful, but gradually built a hopeful tempo until it exploded into a crescendo of euphoric and powerful bliss. George finished up as quickly as he could, did everything else he needed to do in the bathroom, then headed back to his room to change. His mom had produced a clean pair of baggy board shorts and an oversized t-shirt, his standard summer work attire. He noticed that these were brand new. George was quite a large man. He was very tall, standing well over six feet, and had very large hands. He was also overweight by at least 30 pounds. He sighed knowing that these new clothes would be a size larger than last time. He appreciated the fact that his mom never came out and said what a fat slob he was, but that didn't stop her from making lots of subtle hints. She always made it a point to show him a new diet she had read about or some exercise machine that was supposed to be all the rage or the latest workout fads. His sisters were much more overt about his weight, calling him every name one could think of involving heft. Their favorite since he became a lifeguard at the local college had been Shemu, after the whale. George hurried downstairs to the kitchen, where his mom and two sisters were putting the finishing touches on lunch and scarfing down breakfast. His mother was running around in circles trying to keep the girls on task while she made two meals at once. Oh honey, remember that I'm picking the girls up from camp today to take them to their fathers for the weekend, and then I'm leaving for that business trip in Texas. I left you some leftovers but I'm gonna need you to do some food shopping while I'm gone so that we'll have food for the week. I'm leaving you some money and a shopping list. Think you can handle being alone all weekend? George thought it wouldn't be much different than any of his other fun-filled weekends. No problem. I'll just call all my buddies, get some hotties over here, maybe throw back a few, we can talk about old times. His voice stripped with sarcasm. Well, just make sure you get pictures of those hotties so you can make us some money on the internet. She said without any sarcasm at all. Haley piped up. Don't mention hotties on the internet in the same sentence, mom, or George isn't gonna make it into work at all today. This comment surprised George, both for its bite and its wit. For an eleven-year-old she was remarkably knowing, and remarkably annoying as well. His other sister Corina asked. What does masturbate mean, mommy? Haley, be nice to your brother, he's the only one you're ever gonna get. And Corinna, how old are you now, five? You'll learn when you're older, said Jessica. Haley rolled her eyes and when their mother was turned away, stuck her tongue out at George. Corinna pouted so hard that George was sure her bottom lip was going to turn inside out. His sister's attitudes were tiresome. He ignored them and grabbed his lunch. All right, you little rotten bundles of happiness, we need to get out of here. See you on Monday, mom, he said as he headed for the door. The girls gathered up all the stuff they would need for camp and scampered after him. His mom called out to him. Bye, honey, I love you. Without looking back, George waved. Despite his best efforts to make it to work on time, he still pulled up to the Stafford College Wellness Center ten minutes late. This was partly due to the fact that the traffic was not cooperating, but mostly due to his sisters heckling him the whole time with a new song about his nickname. He ended up missing a crucial turn after they threw a balled-up piece of paper at him. With his day already off to such an annoying start, he had trouble imagining it could get much worse. He walked his sisters to the day camp meeting area where the other campers were already lining up to go off to their first activity. The girls quickly dashed off to their respective groups. Before George could leave for the pool area where he worked, his eyes caught sight of the junior counselor in Corina's group. Her name was Karen. She was so beautiful George, shoulder-length brown hair, almond-shaped brown eyes, and a mesmerizing figure. She made a habit of wearing really short shorts to work, which accentuated her lovely legs. She always wore her camp t-shirt with a knot in the back to pull it tight across her front, letting it hug her every curve. Perhaps what was most attractive about her to George was how kind she always was. As one of the junior counselors for the youngest group of campers, Karen always wore a pretty smile and spoke in a sing-song voice. Never once did she join in on the heckling he got from other less cordial co-workers. Whenever he waved hello, she waved back and smiled at him. It wasn't much, but it always brightened up his mood. Today, however, something seemed to be bothering her. When he waved, Karen didn't wave back, but rather avoided his gaze. George detected a hint of shame in her eyes, which made him wonder what such a beautiful woman could possibly be ashamed of. He found himself sinking lower as one of his few sources of joy was denied. 
Seeing no point in being any later, he quickly marched off towards the pool area to face the inevitable wrath of his boss, Linda. Sure enough, as soon as he stepped through the glass door that led into the Olympic-sized pool area, Linda assaulted him with a well-deserved scolding. Damn it, George! Get your ass in here! She yelled. The rest of his co-workers were already in their swimsuits and lifeguard shirts for the morning meeting. All the lifeguard stations had been set up and the ropes separating the deep end from the shallow end had been spread across the pool. This is the third time in as many weeks that you have walked in here more than thirty minutes late. You are really testing my patience, young man. I know, ma'am. I'm really sorry. What? That's it? You're sorry? You're not going to blame it on traffic this time? Maybe you would like to blame this one on your sisters again. George just looked at the ground. Or at least, that's what he appeared to be looking at. He couldn't ignore how hot Linda was. She was in her early thirties but she took excellent care of her body, and it made her look much younger. She was the tallest woman George knew. He guessed she was about six feet tall. She had a bronze all-over tan and wavy black hair all the way down to the curve of her back. Her breasts were round and perky. Though if he had to guess, he would swear they were fake, due to their lack of bounce and constantly hard nipples. He had heard rumors that she used to be a fitness model when she was younger. But she never talked about it, and nobody ever found proof on the internet. Well? She asked harshly. I don't have a good excuse. He said as he did his best to avoid eye contact. It won't happen again. It better not. Now go sit down. George took his place in the wooden bleachers with the rest of the lifeguards. He heard a few whispers over the sound of the water pumps followed by some snickers but couldn't make out what was said. Linda continued with the morning meeting. Okay, so before that unpleasantness, we were deciding who was going to fill in for Tori this afternoon. Thanks for volunteering, George. Wait, what? Said a bewildered George. Is that a problem? Or should I find someone to fill in for you? Maybe someone who can get here on time. Cornered, George just hung his head and nodded. The late shift was the worst assignment because it was incredibly boring. After all the campers went home, one of the camp lifeguards was expected to stay and keep the pool open for the college staff and the students. But rarely did anyone ever use the pool after three in the afternoon. If anyone did, it was either old ladies or drunk college kids. The latter of which delighted in breaking every pool rule there was. The only good part about about being the closer was that he could sleep in, because he didn't have to come in until lunchtime. But George would have to stay until the pool closed at seven. He cringed at the thought of his already long day getting longer. Okay, Michelle and Danielle, you're on the diving board. George, Russell and Rocco are in the shallow end. Erica, Beth, Christine, and Eric, you have the deep end. It's Friday, so no lessons today. All free swim. Also, Gordon has been breathing down my neck about guards with no guard shirts on. I'm looking at you, Rocco. Yeah, yeah, said a deep, condescending voice from the top of the bleachers. Rocco lounged lazily, shirt off, his arms behind his head. Even though the pool was indoors, he always wore shades. George had guessed they came in handy for quick naps and for ogling the other counselors and guards. George didn't particularly like Rocco, mostly because the guy was a prick, but also because he and Karen had started dating at the beginning of the summer. Though, it would be hard to believe by the way Rocco acted around anyone with breasts. I'm not kidding, Rock. Linda continued. I'm really tired of hearing G-Man's belly aching. Put the damn shirt on. Rocco just sighed and reached for his guard shirt. He muttered something incomprehensible under his breath before finally pulling it out of his bag. From the stairs leading down into the locker room, George could hear the first groups of campers getting ready for their time in the pool. All right, everyone, kitties are here, said Linda. Let's try and have a good Friday. The day progressed slowly and uneventfully. New groups of campers filed in every hour as the previous groups left to go on to their next activities. Though the pool was Olympic size and maybe slightly larger thanks to the diving area, it always seemed to be teeming with children end to end. They reminded George of ducklings. They bobbed and floated on foam noodles and followed each other around in long lines. It was like they were in a race to see who could have the most fun. He thought about joining them, but that would mean taking off his shirt. The pool was housed in a large atrium with windows in three directions and a domed glass roof. They provided a pleasant view of the surrounding pine forests and clear summer skies. Most people enjoyed the feeling of being comfortably inside, but also in line of sight of nature. George thought it looked like a giant fishbowl. George was a lifeguard, but his real job was teaching them all how to swim. He really liked that part. Even though he was out of shape and overweight, he was an absolute fish in the water. 
His prowess was immediately apparent to Linda when she had first hired him. Right away, she gave him an opportunity to teach the advanced swimming class. Along with a higher pay rate, he also got to choose his shifts and his assignments. However, his frequent late arrivals chewed up most of his leeway, and he ended up getting whatever was left over most of the time. Nevertheless, he was fond of the children, and he loved teaching them. This made Fridays tough, because all he could really do was sit there and watch. It wasn't all bad. He had taught most of the kids how to swim, and most of them were fairly competent this far into the summer. Situations that required actual rescues were so infrequent that he felt comfortable in letting his attention slide. Instead, he shifted his attention to the women sprinkled around the edges of the pool. The closest from his position was Erica. She was the homecoming queen at her high school, for good reason. She had short brown hair, high cheekbones, and great curves. Her hips were always what struck him. She would periodically stand up and indulge in a long stretch, which showed off the flare of her hips and her flat stomach. Her bathing suits were usually two pieces with tube tops which had a habit of falling down when she went off the diving board, much to her chagrin and the guy's amusement. Though George could tell she loved the attention. He knew that Erica wasn't so stupid as to wear a faulty swimsuit unless she liked it that way. After her was Beth. Beth was slightly younger than most of the other guards, but just as beautiful. She had dirty blonde hair, which she usually wore up in a bun, and a tight perky body. Her best feature was her cute face. It was freckly and soft, with a slightly upturned nose. She had a flirty playfulness about her that had Rocco and the other male guards counting down the days until she turned 18. There had been many what-if sessions among the male members of the staff about being her first. George never participated in those chats partly because he wasn't really chummy with any of the guys, but mostly because he liked Beth. He didn't want to see her as a future piece of meat. But even George would admit that if he had the chance with Beth, he would take it. Down the line was Christine. There was no mistaking Christine, nobody had breasts that large. She had obvious Scandinavian features, long blonde hair, milky white skin, and a bodacious body. While all the guards were well endowed, Christine was in a league all her own. No matter what boring one-piece suit she tried to hide behind, her heavy, swaying breasts always seemed eager to make their presence felt. She was known as something of a prude, and wore very conservative clothing outside work. A golden cross hung around her neck, George thought to broadcast her piety, perhaps. But all it ever really did was draw more attention to the two large globes cradling it. Erica and Beth had made it their mission to bring Christine out of her shell. They had succeeded to a degree, and Christine was learning to deal with the effect she had on men. Though she was still shy, she was beginning to loosen up, and every guy she worked with had taken notice. Lastly were the twins, Michelle and Danielle. Those two terrors were notorious for their weekend exploits to the point where half the Monday morning meeting was devoted to what they did. And more often than not, who they did. As identical twins, they were completely indistinguishable and inseparable. Both had long straight orange-red hair and wore entirely too much makeup, even in the pool area. While George thought they were sexy in that naughty sort of way, the twins were cruel and shallow. Much of the grief George took from his co-workers came from them. They delighted in spreading rumors about him. Their favorite being a juicy tidbit they got from his sister about a certain shower incident. Their favorite way of passing the time involved inserting different people or objects into the story to get it sufficiently embarrassing, before distributing it to all the other guards and counselors. George would cheat quick glances at the women whenever the opportunity presented itself. As he became more and more bored, he took more risks and let his glances turn into full-on ogles. Erica finally caught him, and in retaliation, sent one of the campers over to give him a quick accidental splash that soaked his guard shirt. Erica just laughed and shook her head. George got the hint and focused his attention back on the pool. Corina's group came in just before lunch and Karen along with her. George always looked forward to these times because Karen always went into the water with her campers. She would help them swim or play games with them. All the while she would dazzle George with her beautiful body. But once again, his joy was denied him. Instead of entering the pool with her campers, she went up to the top corner of the bleachers where they intersected the wall. She folded her arms around her chest and scrunched her legs up to her torso, much like she was in the fetal position. George was getting worried. It was clear that something was bothering her. He resolved to ask her about it at lunchtime. At last, the first half of the day ended, and everyone made for their lunches. As the campers scurried downstairs to the locker rooms, Karen hovered in the entryway, herding them towards their gender's proper destination. As the last one entered George made his move and sidled up to Karen. Um, he began. Yes? She asked quickly. 
Sorry, I just, you seem to be having a rough day today. I was wondering if you needed someone to talk to about it or whatever. His face hung low in slight embarrassment. Any pleasant facade she was clinging to disappeared. But she managed to force a smile for him. That's really sweet of you, George, but I'm fine. Are you sure? He asked quietly. Yeah. She almost whispered it, but recovered. I mean, yes. I'm really okay. She tried to look at him, but immediately dropped her eyes in shame. I just had a rough night last night. I don't really want to bore you with the details. She said unconvincingly. Lacking the confidence to press the issue further, he settled on an open invitation. Okay, well, if you decide that boring someone is exactly what you want to do, I'm easy to get a rise out of. She let out a quiet sigh. Thanks, George, she said. His attempt at humor had no obvious effect on her mood. She turned to go into the locker room but stopped just before she made it to the door. George, can I ask you something? Uh, yeah? He said a little too enthusiastically. She paused, like she was trying to figure out how she should ask it. Finally, she looked him in the eyes and asked, Why can't more guys be like you? He thought for a moment, and shuffled his weight before answering. He had the feeling she wasn't flirting with him, and needed a real answer. Finally, he said, Because if they were, you wouldn't date them. It was her turn to ponder for a moment. Are we really that screwed up? She pleaded softly. He didn't know how to answer her, but opened his mouth as he began to try. No, forget I said anything. She moved quickly to the door, but turned back as she was about to enter. Her eyes were beginning to tear up. See you around. She managed. Her voice cracked a little. She turned and left, with George alone in the entryway. Feeling stupid for having tried, he made his way into the boys' locker room and grabbed his lunch. However, his stomach ached in failure, and he found his appetite leaving him. He put the lunch back after deciding to spend his break somewhere quiet. He found a secluded seat down the hall from the pool and stared out a window. After making sure that nobody was around to hear him, he let himself try to find solace in his song. It didn't work this time. He couldn't make it past the slow beginning without feeling worse. The second half of the day progressed just as agonizingly slow as the first half, with the added torture for George and the realization that he still had another half to go after that one. After his lunchtime failure, George was so crestfallen that he didn't even bother trying to sneak glances at the other guards. He kept his eyes down at the pool. But his mind was elsewhere. He kept trying to figure out a way to help Karen without hurting her or himself. But every time he came up with a possible solution, it evaporated whenever it inevitably steered him towards direct intervention. He was convinced that anything involving him actually saying something to her or doing something for her was across some line. The only time he broke out of his funk was when Karen's group entered for their second swim period, but he quickly returned to it when she avoided him. Finally, the last swimming period ended. The campers gathered their towels and left the pool area while the lifeguards put away the guard stations and rescue equipment. All except George, his station would be left up for the late shift. He stepped quickly to the locker room for a quick bathroom break before his third shift started. As he was washing his hands, he heard Rocco, Russell, and Eric enter after all the campers had finally left. Immediately, Rocco began to recount the events of the previous night's date with Karen as the other guys listened intently. George went to his locker on the far wall away from them and listened, despite his dislike of anything that came out of Rocco's mouth. So first I took her to that new water park up in Bayside right. I tell ya, that girl fills out a fucking bikini. She looks so fucking hot, and I could tell she was real into me right. So I'm talking her home and I decided to stop at that lookout over the cliffs. We start making out like crazy. I'm telling you guys, those tits are amazing. He made hand gestures indicating a set of breasts at least twice as large as Karen's, but Russell and Eric owed and odd nonetheless. So we're making out right. Well, I start moving down to the promised land, and the bitch starts playing hard to get. Saying she wasn't ready or whatever. I played it cool, laid a bit of the Rocco style on her. She kept trying to act like she wasn't into it but I got my fingers in there. She was squirming all over the place. Dude, said Eric, his eyes wide with curiosity. What happened next? Well, after that, she started saying she wanted to go home, but I wanted to see how far she'd go. I mean, fuck. I've taken her out three times. She could at least give me a blowjob or something. He shrugged. She offered to jerk me off, so I let her do that. It wasn't bad, but I'm done with this pussy shit. I'm going all the way this weekend. George was facing away from them, but even a blind man could have seen his disgust. 
No wonder Karen was in such a sour mood, she had been date-raped the night before. And what was worse, Rocco didn't even think it was wrong. He just shook his head. Rocco noticed this and called him out. Hey Fappa, you got a fucking problem? George slammed his locker shut. He forgot his timid nature and said with as much bite as he could. You raped her, you asshole. I'm not a fucking idiot, Shema. She offered. I just accepted it. George was getting more and more angry, and struggled not to raise his voice. And you don't see a problem with that? Don't give me that shit. Yelled Rocco. All these sluts are into it. They just gotta act like they aren't. It's part of the game. Not like you would know. You think Karen sees it that way? Suddenly, George became aware that Eric was circling around to his right. Rocco stepped forward, his chest out. Who's gonna ask her? Realizing there was no way out of this without some sort of physical altercation, George raised his clenched fists in as good a fighting stance as he knew how. The other guys just laughed. Look boys, old Shamu here is gonna kick our ass. Come on Rocco. Interrupted Russell. Leave the guy alone. Quicker than George could react, Rocco punched him hard in the eye, knocking him to the floor in the process. Rocco and Eric stood over him and laughed some more. Fucking bitch. Shouted Rocco. Eric snorted deep for a big loogie and spit right in George's hair. Rocco and Eric high-fived each other and made for the exit. Russell looked down at George and sighed. He turned around and chased after his friends. George sat on the locker room floor for what seemed like days. His head throbbed from the shiner that he could feel forming over his left eye. But that pain was nothing next to the broken slivers of his shattered pride stabbing him like knives. The feeling ran right into his core and didn't allow him to move. Suddenly, a realization came to him so hard, it almost felt like he was punched a second time in the gut. There wasn't anything he could do to stop Rocco from hurting Karen again, or any other girl for that matter. He felt completely worthless. Apart from his father dying eleven years ago, this day had become the worst day of his life. Eventually, he did get up. He hobbled over to a sink and washed the spit out of his hair. He examined his new black eye. It was pretty pronounced, even with his longer-than-average hair, he wouldn't be able to cover it up. With nothing left to do but get back to work, he composed himself as best he could and headed back up to the pool area. As he reached the locker room entryway he almost slammed into Karen, who seemed to be heading in the same direction. Oh, sorry George. Um, one of my kids left a towel behind and, oh my god. She said as she caught a glimpse of his black eye. What happened to you? Are you okay? She lifted a delicate hand to his face to brush his hair away and get a better look. George recalled at her touch, she being the last person he wanted to see him like this. I'm alright. I slipped on the floor and hit my head on a bench. He looked away from her and hurried up the stairs. W wait. She called. George stopped and listened, but didn't turn back. She hesitated before asking. Did you mind if I grab that towel? George frowned. You can do whatever, I don't care. Okay. She whispered, her voice cracking again. Predictably, the third shift was completely devoid of any swimmers, leaving George alone with his thoughts. As the hours rolled by and the sun sank low enough to shine directly into the pool area, George thought very seriously about quitting there seemed to be nothing for him there. But then he thought about what he would do if he left. It wasn't like he had somewhere else to go. The loneliness was profound, and George wondered if it would ever end. The beauty of the setting sun sat in direct opposition to his mood. The reddish-gold rays mixed with the water to create dazzling patterns on the walls and ceilings. He put his arms on the windowsill and nestled his chin on his knuckles to better watch the show. He would have liked to have been able to share that with someone. But his loneliness only deepened. With no other recourse, he started to hum his song. He didn't get far. Each time he began, his voice broke. And each time he felt the loneliness intensify. Eventually, he gave up. Not even his song could help him anymore. He let a few tears escape from his good eye. At that moment he needed someone, anyone, to be there with him, to show him something different. He called out in his mind. There were no real words, only the sound of his sorrow echoing through his being, aching for release. From the stairs leading down into the locker room came sandaled footsteps. George immediately broke from his perch on the sill, heading instead for a spot on the wooden bleachers. He wiped his tears away and tried to look as casual as he could for his latest charges. Just as he got settled, a man emerged from the stairway. He was handsome and tall, looked to be in his late twenties, and walked with supreme confidence. He wasn't cocky like Rocco, but dignified and strong. 
He strode right past the log book that all swimmers after hours had to sign as they entered and left, leading George to believe that this man was not affiliated with the college. He would have to have known at least that much. Instead, the man smiled and gave George a friendly wave. George followed him. Sir? He called out. Sorry, but you need to sign the log book first. And I need to see your school ID before you can use the facilities. Oh. Well, actually, I don't have one. I don't work here or anything. You see, my girlfriend and I were driving by and she suddenly got the idea in her head that she needed to go swimming. Do you think that maybe, just this once? He said imploringly. George thought about it, but not for long. He looked at the clock on the wall. There was only an hour left, and he decided he could use the company. His boss had gone home anyway. And since he felt like quitting, he found himself having a hard time caring what rules he broke. Yeah sure, it's cool, as long you guys don't make too much of a ruckus. It'll be like we were never here, I promise. He said with a twinkle in his eye. Suddenly, George could hear rapid footsteps from behind him. Before he could turn around to see what made them, the most unbelievably gorgeous woman that George had ever laid eyes on pranced up to the man, and kissed him lovingly on the cheek before affixing herself to his arm. Her red gold hair seemed to blend in with the light of the sunset around them and framed her beautiful face. Her eyes, a dark green, were unguarded and happy, almost whimsical. Her hunter green bikini left little to the imagination. Her body was flawless with almost impossible proportions. George couldn't help but stare. Who's this Jack? She asked with a pretty smile. Oh actually, we haven't met. My name is Jack, and this is Jennifer. He extended his hand for a shake. George, he said as he shook Jack's hand. He then extended his hand to Jennifer. She took it gladly. She gazed at him thoughtfully, as if she were trying to read his mind. Finally, she smiled and said, It's so wonderful to meet you. Before letting go of his hand, she turned it over and examined it thoroughly. Such wonderful hands. Strong, but with a light touch. I bet your girlfriend must love these. While George got the impression that he was supposed to be flattered by her attention, he found himself not wanting it. He liked her enough to be sure, but he felt like she was trying to tease him a bit. After the day's events, he wasn't interested in being toyed with. Shifting back to business, he took his hand back and continued. Um, like I told Jack, I don't mind if you use the pool as long as you don't break too many rules. Pool closes in an hour. Oh my! She gasped. What happened to your eye? That looks so painful. Like Karen, she tried to move his hair out of the way to get a better look. He immediately recoiled. He turned his left eye out of view. It's no big deal really, this deck gets slippery sometimes and I hit my eye on the bleachers after a spill. Happens all the time. But Jack and Jennifer looked genuinely concerned. Jennifer returned to Jack's side, and the two looked at him in silence for a few seconds. Feeling very embarrassed, George just turned away and said, I'll let you know when I have to close up. He walked back to his place on the bleachers. Though he liked these people, he didn't want more pity. He just wanted to get through the day so he could spend his weekend alone, in peace. The couple seemed to realize that they had got all they were going to get out of George. They found a place across the pool from him to set down their belongings. Despite their early enthusiasm, the couple didn't seem to do much swimming. They just waited in the shallow end, staying very close to each other, never breaking physical contact. George envied them. He paid close attention to the intimate way they touched and embraced. They were completely in love and every action seemed to reaffirm it. Eventually, they stopped moving altogether and just held each other in the far corner of the pool. From his angle George could see Jennifer's face as she looked intently into Jack's eyes. They looked like they were having a very important discussion. But there were no words. George got the impression that what he was witnessing was very private and sacred, that he shouldn't be watching them anymore. He turned away and shifted his attention to the last vestiges of the fading light. He felt compelled to make a wish, something that he hadn't dared do since he lost his father. He wished that someday, he could find a love like the one they had. He wished someone would look into his eyes the way Jennifer looked into Jack's. Without thinking, George began to hum his song again. This time, it had its intended effect. He still felt miserable, but now he knew what true love looked like. It wasn't much, but it was enough to get him through the day. Eventually, seven o'clock rolled around, and George announced that he had to shut down the pool. The two swimmers quickly dried themselves off and headed towards the locker room. Before leaving, Jack walked up to George and shook his hand again. Thanks again for letting us use the pool. Jeannie here can get a little impulsive at times. Jennifer gave him a playful nudge in his ribs and giggled. 
It's no problem. I'm glad you guys came actually, said George. This place can get a little lonely in the afternoon. Jennifer left Jack's side and strode slowly towards George. With grace he had never witnessed, she moved her hands to his face and gazed lovingly into his soul. George was paralyzed, not by fear, but by some enchantment emanating from her eyes. She leaned forward softly and kissed his cheek. She traveled to his ear and whispered, The most beautiful wishes always come true. She backed away from him until she was at Jack's side. Good luck, George. I hope I see you again someday. She waved, and the two left quickly and quietly. George stood there dumbfounded. What had happened didn't feel real. It felt like a dream, and he found himself at a loss to remember everything that had just happened. Details about the two seemed to disappear as quickly as he could latch onto them. The last thing he could remember of them before all memory of their passing was erased was her eyes. He couldn't forget those eyes. But even as he swore not to, they too were gone. He was alone again, as surely as the couple had never existed. Feeling suddenly empty but not understanding why, he looked up at the clock and realized that it was time to close the pool. He made his final rounds and as he approached the far corner of the pool, he noticed that someone had left behind a strange stringed instrument. It resembled a guitar in that it had frets and strings, with knobs to tune them. But the odd little guitar had two smaller wooden acoustic chambers instead of one. Stretched across the face was some sort of animal skin that George could not place. At the top was a masterfully carved ivory image of a woman. Dismayed by the fact that Lost and Found was closed, and leaving it there over the weekend would by no means guarantee that it would still be there on Monday, he decided to take it home with him. Maybe on Monday he could find the strange soul who would leave such a beautiful object behind. He finished putting everything away and headed home. His house was dark. With his mother and sisters gone for the weekend, his home felt cold and derelict. Even when he turned on the lights in the kitchen and started making a turkey sandwich for dinner, the house felt like nobody had lived in it for years. He guessed that his mood was influencing his perception in some way and he forced the feeling from his mind. Instead, he got out the strange-looking guitar and examined it more closely. Again his attention was drawn to the carving of the woman at the top. It was almost hypnotic in its complexity. The woman's hair was so well realized that it almost seemed to move. She was at a profile view, her eyes were closed, and her hands were folded together as if she were praying. She wore a heavenly, contented smile. George reached out and traced the lines in the carving with his large fingers and imagined for a second that the woman in the carving was real. He then examined the different sweeping patterns on the underside of the instrument, which blended around its curves. They rose as one up the frets and melded into the woman's hair at the top. There were no identifying marks from any company, or a made in China, plastered on the bottom. He thought that it must have been very old. Again, he tried to remember who had been at the pool that day. Try as he might, he couldn't remember anyone entering the pool during the afternoon shift. Surely it wasn't something one of the kids brought in for show and tell. A child couldn't really appreciate something so well made. George took a look around to see if anyone was watching him, which he immediately thought to be stupid since he was completely alone, then strummed one of the strings lightly. It sounded strangely familiar to George even though it was unlike any instrument he had ever heard before. It made a harsher sound than his own guitar, but after he plucked a few more notes in succession it became quite soothing. He finished his sandwich and took the strange instrument up the stairs to his bedroom. He tried very hard to remember who had been at the pool that day. It wasn't there when he started his third shift, he was quite certain of that. Yet no one had come in all afternoon. Eventually, he figured it didn't really matter. He would surely find whoever it was on Monday. He ignored the instrument and logged on to his computer. He checked his email, there wasn't any, then went to his favorite video game news site and started checking out the day's articles. He became bored with this quickly and glanced back at the odd guitar as it leaned against his desk. The face on the top seemed to be moving, but when he blinked and looked more closely nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. He decided he needed to leave it alone, so he picked it up and placed it on top of his bookcase. He sat back down at his desk and played a video game on his computer. Absently, he hummed his tune. A few hours went by in blissful escapism. During a break in the action on screen, he reached for his desk lamp to turn down the light when he noticed that the little guitar was leaning against his desk again, the woman facing him. He leapt up from his chair and backed away from it. After a few moments of panic, he began making sense of his thoughts. The instrument couldn't have moved by itself, but he knew that he had put it on the bookshelf. After he was satisfied that it wasn't going to move again, he slowly moved closer. He got out a pencil from his desk drawer and cautiously poked one of the frets with the eraser end, knocking it over. 
He leapt back again in anticipation of some sort of retaliation, but the instrument just sat there. He sat back down in his chair and rubbed his aching head. Suddenly, from the corner of his eye he noticed a movement from the woman's face. When he looked, he was sure that it was moving. From out of nowhere, he had the undeniable urge to play it. He lifted it up carefully and sat at the foot of his bed. He plucked each string deliberately, as he mentally mapped out the notes in his head. Luckily, it wasn't played much differently than his own guitar, though its sound was something completely different. As he fiddled with the notes, he felt his mood change with each one. The higher notes made him feel calm and pensive, the lower notes made him feel powerful and strong. Very soon, he felt he had a grasp on what the strange guitar was capable of. And after a few twists of the large wooden knobs at the top, he was fairly confident he had it set at its peak performance. He silenced the instrument, and then thought about what he should play. All the songs he knew were made to be played on a guitar, and he didn't think they would sound right on this particular instrument. But then he remembered his own song and was curious as to what it would sound like. He began the slow, sorrowful beginning, and watched in amazement as the face began to open its eyes. Startled, George stopped playing, and the carving went back to its original state. He started again, and the face moved like it had before. George didn't stop this time. He kept playing through the beginning and moved on through the hopeful rhythm. The woman became alert and gazed at George lovingly as he played. The strange guitar began to shake slightly as the vibrations from the strings reverberated up the wooden frets and into the ivory carving. Finally, the crescendo echoed through his room, and the carving cracked wide up its center. A glowing pink vapor sprung forth and surrounded him. It penetrated his nose and mouth and eyes. His vision blurred and started to get black around the edges. He realized he was passing out, but found himself unable to fight it. He fell back onto his bed and dropped the odd guitar to the floor. Chapter 1 Waking from Reality George lazily opened his eyes to the sight of the ceiling fan in his room spinning slowly overhead. Its hypnotic circles threatened to put him to sleep again. He turned to the alarm clock next to the bed, it read just past 1 a.m. He turned back to the ceiling fan and let out another deep breath as he rubbed his face, immediately grimacing in pain as he remembered his black eye. He laid there a moment trying to get his bearings. The last thing he remembered was playing on his computer. He looked to his desk and noticed the game was still paused, waiting for him to rejoin. Looking down at himself, he noticed he was still in his clothes. He sat up, again rubbing his eyes, and swung his legs to the side of the bed to stand up. He rose, and was about to head to the bathroom when a quiet voice came from the corner of the room. Hello, master, said the voice. Startled, George spun around in the direction of the voice. But he slipped on a sheet and tumbled to the ground before he could get a good look. He landed on the floor next to his bed just in front of the small wooden instrument. From the corner of the room came a cute-sounding giggle. He felt fully awake now, but still disoriented from his fall. He picked himself up until his head was just above the edge of the bed. Finally, he got a good look at the intruder. There in the corner stood a vision so breathtaking that George was frozen in place. It was a woman, more beautiful than any woman he could have ever imagined. She was either 18 or 19, no older than George. Her golden brown, honey-colored hair hung down to the middle of her back. It was straight for the most part, but seemed to feather out in a few spots. Even in the manufactured light of his room, her hair caught it and shined like a nimbus around her. A few strands rebelled and hung across her face, which was home to the most enchanting pair of eyes. They were both sweet and exotic, sky-blue and soul-stealing. Her full lips formed an amused and happy smile. Everything from her eyebrows, to her ears, down to her chin spoke of innocence and contentment, but also of sensuality and mischief. He gazed at her in bewilderment for a few moments, but she didn't seem to mind at all. She stood in the corner patiently, letting him come to grips with every aspect of her beauty. George's eyes lowered to her shoulders and arms, followed by her chest and tummy. She was both lithe and curvaceous, impossibly proportioned. Her breasts were large, but her waist was slim, accentuating the flare of her hips. Her skin was only slightly tan and flawless in every way. However, he could see very little of what he wanted to see through the silky, diaphanous dress she wore. He suddenly realized that he had stared far longer than was appropriate, but she didn't make any protests. She blushed a little, but she seemed to be enjoying his attention. She was like something out of his dreams. He realized that must be what she was, just a dream. His wits returned to him, and his brain became flooded with questions. Who was she? What was she doing here? How had she gotten in? He meant to verbalize one question but couldn't decide which and so verbalized them all. Wah what? 
he said. He realized quickly that he hadn't said anything coherent and started over. She brought her hand to her mouth and giggled another cute giggle. Who are you? He finally asked. I am whoever you wish me to be, master. I am your personal genie servant, your able and willing companion. I am from this moment on yours to do with as you please. She said like that was something people said to each other every day. George was getting concerned that someone was trying to play a prank on him. Or worse, a crazy woman had found her way to his room. Um, are you sure? She tilted her head a bit and gave him a puzzled look. Yes, of course, master. You know the song, yes? The song. His song. Everything was starting to come back to him. He had played his song on the funny-looking guitar before he passed out. Yeah, I remember that much. She smiled. Her smile made him want to drop to his knees and worship her. Then my destiny is set, I am yours. She bowed elegantly. What do you wish of me, master? For George, the illusion and fantasy were gone. It was clear to George that this woman was pulling his leg. Okay, who put you up to this? He said as he looked around for something that looked like a hidden camera. Was it Rocco? If it was Rocco you can tell him he made his point. He said with no attempt at hiding his agitation. After the day he just had he couldn't believe that someone would go to all that trouble just to make him feel worse. She got a worried look on her face and said, I am sorry master, but I do not know who this Rocco person is. I assure you this is no trick. It is forbidden for a genie servant to lie to her master, even if the master wished it. George didn't believe her. No woman would ever just submit to him unless they were being paid, or they were doing someone a favor. He continued to search his room for some kind of hidden camera, but his search came up empty. He looked out his window expecting to find a strange vehicle parked out front, but saw only his car. He left his room and searched the house for someone who would be waiting to catch him in the act of doing something, but the house was just as empty as he had left it. With his searching in vain, he went back upstairs to his room. The young woman was still there in the corner. She looked nervous and apprehensive, like she had done something wrong. He approached cautiously, stopping a few feet away from her. George noticed that she was as tall as his chin. She looked up at him for a split second, but then lowered her eyes in submission. Okay, fine, if you really are my genie, do you grant me wishes or something? Yes, master, she said. So like, if I wish for a million dollars, a big pile of money will appear, just like that? He asked incredulously. No, master. Forgive me for not explaining. My powers are vast, yes, but are tied specifically to the realm of physical pleasure, sexual desire, and all things to do with love. Any wish you make of this nature I can grant you. He raised an eyebrow. Really? She looked up into his eyes, and said with more sincerity than he had ever seen. Yes, master. For you, I would do anything that would please you. It is my purpose, and I will do it gladly. Intrigued and aroused, George thought that if this was some sort of dream, he had really outdone himself this time. Okay, genie, prove it, he said simply. Master? She tilted her head in slight confusion. You heard me, if you are a genie or whatever, prove it. Show me some genie power. His hands made gestures like he was casting a spell. Without saying a word, she brought a delicate hand up to his black eye. She covered it for a moment and pulled away. The pain he had felt up until then was suddenly gone, and blinking became effortless again. He slapped his own hand on his eye in astonishment and turned to the mirror over his dresser. His eye looked completely normal like nothing had ever happened. Holy shit, he muttered. He turned back to her. How did you do that? She giggled again. I used some of my genie power, master. She repeated his hand gestures from before. That was not a sexual wish, but keeping you healthy is within the scope of my powers. He was stunned. She couldn't really be a genie, they only existed in mythology. But she had healed him, as easily as she was wiping away an eyelash. There was no mistaking what she had done. As much as he wanted to disbelieve, he couldn't ignore the evidence. But then he remembered, this could still be a dream. He did have an overactive imagination. He figured he must have fallen asleep at his desk while fighting genies in his game. But he decided to see where this new dream was going. He thought that it couldn't be any worse than reality. Okay, well played genie. So what do we do now? She took a step forward and looked up at him with a playful smile. Anything, master. She began counting on her fingers. We can talk or make love. I could give you massage, or perhaps I could bring you to orgasm with my mouth. You need only wish it, and it will be done. Feeling uncomfortable and nervous at her proximity and her speech, he could only gulp. 
I, uh, I've never, you know, done that. He stammered. She brought her graceful hands up to his thick arms. I know, master. It is the same with me. I did not exist until you opened my vessel. She took hold of his hands and pulled them around her trim waist, then moved her hands to his shoulders. But there is nothing in this world that I would rather do. Fulfilling your every wish is my most heartfelt desire. She looked deep into his eyes again. Up close, he noticed that hers were not just blue. They had specks of red and gold mixed in, giving them the look of a sunrise, and they glistened with raw emotion. George's defenses crumbled, he didn't care if she was a prank or a dream. He just wanted her to keep talking and keep looking at him. She pushed him gently towards the bed until he was forced to sit down. Her eyes never left his. All you have to do, master, is wish it, and it will be so. George was suddenly at a loss for what to say. This woman was offering herself to him in whatever manner he wanted, but like a child in a toy store, he couldn't decide what he wanted more. He eventually decided he wanted to go slow. If this was a dream, he didn't want it to end abruptly like all the others. He wanted her for as long as possible. I wish to touch you. I want to touch every inch of you. He felt a strange but pleasant tingling in his mind and she tilted her head slightly, letting her hair cascade down her shoulder. Her eyes bore into him. It is my wish also, master, she said lovingly. Again, she took George's hands in her own. Her touch was so gentle and light, it was almost like she wasn't touching him at all. But George was much too weak to stop her, even if he wanted to. She guided his hands slowly from her waist, upwards along her sides, then up over the swell of her breasts to her collarbone. She then slipped his fingers under a piece of silky fabric, and as she continued to guide him, a strip of cloth followed until it was free and floated softly to the floor. She gave him a small nod and turned around. She lowered herself to his lap and leaned forward to let her hair fall away from her back. George placed his hands on her shoulders tentatively and began to caress and disrobe her. Strip after strip of the silky fabric floated away as more of her supple skin was revealed. He relished every moment, savoring the experience as if he was unwrapping a gift from a long-lost friend, like it was the last gift he would ever receive. It dawned on him that he wouldn't need many more gifts after this. As the strips from the back of her dress were mostly gone, she leaned back against him to let him work on the front. Her hair fell back over his shoulder. As it did, George leaned in and smelled her. Her scent was sweet, like iced tea on a hot summer day. He drank it in. The feeling of her hair draped over him was so intimate that he would have been content just to hug. But she kept guiding his hands where they needed to go. The cloth covering her breasts was last to go. As it left her, she brought his hands over them, letting him touch her to his heart's content. He massaged her breasts slightly at first but increased in intensity as his lust overpowered his fear. She moaned loudly as he grazed her nipples. He realized she was quivering slightly as well. Her breathing became heavy. Her chest heaved in his warm hands. A trickle of perspiration wound its way down through her cleavage. She began to grind against him, working his cock with her firm behind. He could feel a dampness from between her legs begin to soak through his shorts. Leaving one hand to her breasts, he dropped his other hand down underneath the lower portions of her dress. His fingers reached the small patch of pubic hair, and she began to breathe even more heavily, letting out little moans in the process. He dipped lower, and his fingertips reached the upper folds of her pussy. She called out to him. Oh, master, please touch me. He found her clit and brushed it lightly. She let out small moans of pleasure and a steady progression of intensity. She was getting even more wet as she ground into him hard. He rubbed her clit delicately at first, but it became clear from her constant moaning that she needed more. She turned to him and again looked to his eyes. Are you sure you've never done this before, master? She said out of breath. Only in my dreams, he said. It was the truth. He had dreamed about an encounter like it before, but it had always ended before anything interesting happened. Hmm, she purred. I think my master has a pretty vivid imagination. She stood up for a moment and repositioned herself so that she was straddling his lap with her knees on the bed. Their eyes locked again. I am glad, she said. I hope to make all your dreams come true, master. She smiled a wicked smile. But first, master, I must finish granting you your wish. I believe you have touched less than half of my inches. He couldn't hold back his nervous laughter. He brought his hands to her waist again and found that he really enjoyed that area of her body. His hands were large enough to reach a good ways around her. It made him feel powerful and manly to grasp her tight. But he did not linger there for long. He brought his shaking hands down to her still fully clothed hips and began to slowly pull away the remaining strips of fabric. 
She rested her hands on his shoulders pushing her large orbs together, giving him an amazing view. They stuck out proudly without a hint of sag and were capped with two delicious-looking nipples. A strip of the silky fabric came free and George had a great idea. Instead of letting it fall like the others, he slid it up her front and dragged it along her breast, grazing her nipples. He did the same to her other breast and her eyes fluttered. George couldn't resist any longer and leaned forward to take one into his mouth. She cooed softly as he licked and slurped at her breast. George forgot about disrobing her. Instead, he moved his hands to her back to draw her in more tightly. She ran her fingers through his hair and pushed his face even further into her cleavage. Oh, master. She breathed as she bit her lip. He couldn't believe how sensitive she was. Everything he did seemed to make her shiver and moan. He had no experience or lessons in lovemaking. He operated purely on instinct with her sweet voice guiding his tongue. He began to lose himself to lust as he went back to the last of her clothing. His head still clasped to her bosom, he pulled the rest of the silky strands away roughly, letting them join the rest of her dress on the bedroom floor. She was moaning loudly, almost screaming, as he licked and sucked and fondled her. Oh, Master I, how are you doing the MMPH? Her voice was cut off by one of George's fingers. He had reached up to touch her face, but her lips wrapped around him almost immediately. She sucked on it greedily. He imagined it was his cock, which made his real cock twitch. She must have felt it, because she disengaged from his finger and looked at him wide-eyed. Master, are you hiding something from me? She asked playfully. He couldn't help but laugh. You're my genie, can't you tell? No, master. I was made to respect my master's privacy. I only know what I need to know as it pertains to your wishes. She looked down to the outline of his throbbing cock and then looked back up at him suddenly with a twinkle in her eye. But I know how I can find out. She reached down and began to rub his erection with her skilled hands. She traced his length and gasped. Master, you are so big. George suddenly felt very self-conscious. Was she really touching him? He silently prayed that this wasn't a dream. He also prayed that he wouldn't come too soon. He was starting to panic a little. But the young genie must have noticed. She stopped rubbing him and stood up, giving him an unobstructed view of her flawless form. Aside from a flush in her cheeks she appeared to be quite comfortable. George, on the other hand, was sweating and slightly out of breath. She ran her fingertips all over the curves of her body. It was as if she were exploring herself for the first time. George followed them with his eyes, marveling at her perfection. Her hands dropped down past her stomach, and George got his first glimpse of her pussy. Though he had seen a few on the internet, he was a bit intimidated to see one so close. He hadn't been saving himself for any particular reason, other than the fact that no woman had wanted to get this close to him. He desperately wanted his first time to be with this beautiful creature. Lay down on the bed, he said softly. She complied immediately. She crawled onto the bed next to him, bending slowly and seductively as she did so. Every move she made seemed intended to turn him on, and she was succeeding brilliantly. She turned over so that she was face up on the bed, and rested her head on his pillow. George was in awe of her every move, but noticed that she seemed out of place in his messy room. He suddenly felt even more embarrassed. But then he had an idea that could further prove her powers as a genie. Genie, can you make this place fit the mood a bit better? Certainly, master, that fits inside the realm of my abilities. How would you like it to look? He thought for a second, but being a guy, he had never really given much thought to interior decoration. He decided that if anyone knew what would fit the mood best, she would. I'm not really sure. Um, why don't you make it as romantic for us as possible? She looked at him lovingly. Thank you, master. I hope you like it. He felt a pleasant tingling in his mind again, and the room was transformed in a blink of an eye. It looked much like his old room, but everything was tweaked to look warm and inviting. All of his old furniture was replaced with exquisite pieces one might find in a museum, or a castle. Instead of a floor lamp, the room was lit with candles strategically placed to bathe everything in a pleasant glow. The glow mixed with the moonlight pouring in from the now massive window, giving everything a blue-slash-orange sheen. All the clothes and baubles that had previously covered the floor were clean and in their proper places. His bed now dominated the room. It was huge and covered in the finest satin sheets along with the soft white fur of an animal that George could not place. But by far its best feature was the naked beauty, waiting for him to join her. George was dumbstruck by the magnitude of the transformation. He had so many questions about her and her abilities. But he was still positively certain that he was dreaming. He didn't want to do anything that might dispel the illusion. What do you think, master? She asked sweetly. That's incredible. 
he said as he glanced around the room. When his eyes caught her body, he couldn't help himself. You're incredible. She blushed. Her whole body seemed to glow in the candlelight. Thank you very much, Master. George could see a great deal of emotion welled up in her beautiful face. Master, won't you come lay with me? He climbed onto the bed until he was right over top of her, being careful to keep his weight off her. He looked into her eyes again and realized that as beautiful as her body was, it was nothing compared to the way she looked at him. She was so happy, so complete. It was as if she had been created just for him. He loved the feeling so much that he lingered there for a few long moments. Eventually, they both realized they had stared far longer than originally intended, and they both let out nervous laughs. He felt better knowing that she was just as anxious as he was. I'll be right back, he said playfully. He quickly dived down to her lower body and continued to fulfill his first wish. She giggled as he left. He started with her navel and kissed softly all the way to her pelvis. She covered her mouth as she laughed. Apparently, she was very ticklish there. He filed that tidbit away for future reference. He continued down her legs, paying special attention to her inner thighs. Her skin was delightful to George, so supple and smooth. He let his lips lightly graze every inch of her thighs, then lower to her calves and feet. Her ankles, like her wrists, were tiny and delicate. His own hands seemed grossly oversized compared to her, but it wouldn't have mattered if he was triple her size. His strength had melted away, and all he could do was caress her lightly. He decided to just do what came naturally. What came naturally to him then was that he had to taste her. He didn't know why. It was as if years of repressed desires were coming out all at once. He wanted to make her feel good. He needed it. Whatever the reason, he found himself face to face with her pussy. Without further hesitation, he dived in tongue first. He started from the bottom of her labia and worked the folds with his tongue. She became wetter and wetter, and he tasted her for the first time. He had been worried that this would be gross. To his surprise, she didn't taste like anything he could put his finger on. But it was pleasant enough that it quickly became a non-issue. He let his tongue drag up her folds until he found her clit. He licked and sucked on it like his life depended on it. She gasped and moaned more loudly than ever. Oh, master! What are you doing? Oh, please don't stop! He was on fire. He was filled with the sudden desire to make her come at all costs. She continued to moan and spout out encouragements. He couldn't hear her. His focus was on the task in front of him. He ceased to be himself and became the instrument of her pleasure. He inserted his middle finger and she screamed. Her tight pussy grasped him firmly, sucking him in further. He rubbed inside her gently and continued to tongue her clit. She was almost crying with pleasure. Master! I'm gonna come! I'm gonna come! She screamed. It was music to his ears. It was a victory he had given up on winning. Suddenly, her whole body quaked and shuddered as she cried out. Her pussy gushed. Her hands gripped his hair and pushed him towards her. George laughed up as much as he could, savoring it as a moment he didn't want to forget. Gradually, she went limp. She lay there breathlessly, mouthing incoherent words. Her fingers continued to run through his hair. When he felt like it was time, George pulled away and wiped his face on a nearby sheet. He then moved back to where he could be face to face with her again, but he wasn't prepared for what he saw. Tears were welling up and cascading down her beautiful face. Though she was quite flushed, she didn't seem to be in any pain. Nevertheless, George was worried that he had crossed the line. Are you all right? He asked. I'm sorry, that was my first time ever doing that. I didn't mean to. She shushed him and said. No, master, you did not hurt me. What you did was quite wonderful. Her voice cracked noticeably. Then why are you crying? He asked nervously. I am crying because I am so happy. A new tear wound its way down her cheek. You see, it is not required that a master give his genie servant so much pleasure. You could have done anything you wanted to me, negligence, humiliation, torture. You could even destroy me if that is your wish. It has been done and is accepted. But you chose to give me a wonderful gift, and even if you never choose to do so again, I will treasure this always. Thank you so much. Master. George was appalled. Destroy you? I could never do something like that, even if you say I could. I know, Master. Your thoughts are not for yourself, they are for others. And tonight they were for me, as mine are for you. I am truly grateful it was you who knew the song. George was floored. His certainty that this was a dream was beginning to waver. He could have never come up with a dream like this in a million years. She truly believed she was his slave. He couldn't be sure if she was real or not. 
He figured that in case this wasn't a dream he should be the man he always wanted to be. He had always dreamed of being the noble knight who took the high road, and never faltered. He would start then with her. Listen, Jeannie, I don't really understand what is going on. This is all happening so fast, I'm just trying to keep up with you right now. I'm not even sure I believe any of this. He took a breath. But I won't destroy you. I won't do anything you don't want. You can walk away right now or whenever. That's up to you. All right? Her eyes were the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. Still wet from her emotions, they gazed up at him with grace and affection. It was like looking at the morning sun, hidden beneath the surface of a lake. She nodded slowly, the last of her tears falling as she blinked. She sat up and threw her legs over his until she was entwined with him. Now master, I still have not finished granting you your wish. There are still a few inches left. George laughed and said, Why don't you show me where and I'll be happy to touch them? She smiled wickedly and pointed to a spot on her shoulder. There. George leaned in and lightly kissed the spot. Then, she pointed to a spot in the middle of her forehead. Here. Again he leaned in and kissed her, he lingered a bit longer. When it was over she brought a delicate finger to her lips. Without saying a word, he leaned in and kissed her for the first time. He thought that he would have been afraid, or at least awkward. But as soon as their lips met, any reservations he might have had were dashed. They were a perfect fit. George closed his eyes and let himself go. In that kiss, he lived only for her. They kissed for a long time, alternating between gentle pecks and full-on makeouts. Though George was usually careful not to let his hopeless romanticism show, he couldn't help but throw himself completely into the kiss. It dawned on him that this wasn't just their first kiss, it was also his. And if she was telling the truth, it was hers as well. This realization made him want to kiss her even more. He wanted to remember it forever, even if it was just a dream. All the while he played with her hair. He loved the way its silky texture filled his large hands and then slipped through them again. He loved the way it was straight but then feathered away from her, like it suddenly saw something shiny to look at. In fact, he found himself unable to dislike anything about her. As the kiss went on he was getting more and more worked up. And by the two hard nipples poking into him, he could tell that she was too. Suddenly, she began to tug on his t-shirt, indicating that she wanted him as naked as she was. George broke off the kiss and tried to push her hands away in a panic. He was very self-conscious about his body. He never took his shirt off, even when he went swimming. The fear of rejection that he had suppressed because he thought he was in a dream had returned in full force. Master? Are you okay? She asked delicately. I, uh, I don't think you'll like what you see. I mean, you're much prettier than I am. She smiled in amusement. Master, I am your genie servant. I am made to love you no matter what you look like. You say that now, but as soon as I take this off you're gonna go right back to wherever the hell you came from. She laughed. Master, do you really believe that you are hiding anything behind that baggy clothing? All this time you have been touching me, but I have been touching you too. I have been studying your every move, I qualified your physical attributes the moment I awakened. Really? He asked. Of course, master. You are very tall, probably about six feet and six inches. You have very broad shoulders and thick bones. I am guessing that before you were ever overweight you were made fun off because of your size, hence the hunching. She was right, he had always been very large and had only gained weight when he reached high school. She continued. I can feel the muscles in your arms and shoulders so you must be very strong, but you take great care to be gentle, rather than just poking at me. This leads me to believe that you acquired your strength through means other than lifting large amounts of weights. If I had to guess, I would say either swimming or martial arts, something involving much more finesse. She had hit the mark again. Swimming was about the only physical activity he really enjoyed. Wow, you got all that from just my shoulders? He said. She kept going. However, I can tell that you are overweight even for your height, which means you probably spend much of your time indoors and sedentary. I believe the reason for this is because you have so few friends. Though I could not imagine why that would be the case. I have only known you a short time and I am quite certain that you are very easy to be friends with. How do you know I don't have many friends? I suppose that I do not actually know. But when you first saw me tonight your initial reaction was that I was a prank by someone named Rocco. I am guessing you two are not friends or you would not have been so agitated. You then took considerable warming to the fact that I was not here to tease you. Her eyes widened at a sudden idea. Although, I think you would like any teasing I subject you to. I bet I would. He mused. So you're beautiful and smart. Do you come with a guarantee? 
I can guarantee that if you take off those clothes you will not regret it. Like I told you, it is part of my purpose to love you unconditionally. That means that not only do I not mind that you are overweight, it turns me on very much. Really? He asked surprised. She kissed him sweetly and gazed at him once more. I can tell that you have not had much luck with women in the past, such as their loss, so I will not play any games with you. I believe with every piece of my heart that you are the sweetest, strongest, and most beautiful man in the universe. I want to take your clothes off, not to make fun of you, but to gaze upon the object of my affection. I want to make love to you. This is my desire. She looked away from him suddenly in shame. I am sorry, master. It is not my place to speak so candidly about my needs. I hope that I have not offended you in any way. George's mind reeled. With her plain language, and the fact that she was naked on his lap begging to get him naked too, he suddenly felt stupid for ever having doubted her. Now he was worried that he might have pushed her away. He decided that a wish was in order, a wish that he had wanted to make since the moment he saw her. Genie? said George. Yes, master. If you'll have me, I wish to make love to you. I want my first time to be with you. And I don't want to stop until dawn. Her eyes flashed with a golden light, and he felt the tingling in his mind once more. When it was over she gazed at him with so much love and affection he thought he might cry. But she beat him to it. A single tear escaped her beautiful glistening eyes and rolled down her cheek. He wiped it away gently with the back of his large hand. Master, I am a very lucky genie. She whispered. They kissed. George was falling very hard for this woman. He wasn't sure if it was love, but he knew that when this dream ended he would be very sad. He told himself he had to write it down as soon as he woke up before the memory faded. She felt too real to let go, even if only in his dreams. She tugged on his shirt. He didn't fight her this time. It slid off of him easily and though he was still self-conscious, he knew it was worth it. She was worth any embarrassment. Like she had promised, she was not appalled. In fact, she seemed pleased. Stand up please, master. George climbed off the bed and stood up. She knelt before him. Without hesitation, she reached for the laces of his shorts and pulled them free. She dragged them down inch by inch until the tip of his cock was free. It sprung forward, almost hitting her on the chin. She let out a little yelp and giggled. Master, you are big all over. She quipped. She looked at it like it was her new favorite toy. George's cock was large, about eight inches, but he had always thought it looked small on his body. She moved forward and lightly kissed his inner thighs. She kissed up to the base of his shaft and traced its length with her soft lips, all without using her hands. He could feel her hot breath on his cock. She traced the length back down slowly and kept her beautiful eyes fixed to his. The corners of her mouth turned up in a playful smile as she stroked him up and down lazily with her lips and face. She cooed and purred at him in appreciation. Finally, she brought her tongue out to play. She licked his cock from base to tip, making it wet and slick. When she reached the tip, she parted her lips more and took the head in her mouth. She held there for a moment, while her tongue swirled around the head, lapping up his precum. All the while she kept her hands behind her like they were bound and refused to use them. George strained for all he was worth to keep himself from going over the edge. He tried desperately to think of anything but the sexy young thing working wonders on his big cock. But of course it was impossible. He couldn't break eye contact with her. Her eyes spoke to him. They said that she loved what she was doing to him. She was his to do whatever he wanted. Nothing was out of bounds, no fantasy too obscure. In her eyes was the promise that every wish would come true. He was quickly approaching the point of no return when she let go of him with her mouth. Her delicate hands rose to the base of his cock and wrapped around him, her fingertips barely touched. Suddenly, she squeezed him sharply. A large dollop of precum formed at the tip. Its weight made it drip down and land on her glorious tits. She winked at him and brought her lips back to his cock. This time, she didn't stop at the head. She continued slowly while her tongue swirled around him. As the head reached the back of her throat he felt it slide even further down. He had never received a blowjob before, but he was sure that what she was doing was not easy. Yet she showed no signs of strain. She kept going deeper and deeper, until he was buried to the hilt in her mouth. He then felt the muscles in the back of her throat begin to contract and release. He didn't even know that this was possible, and he was sure that he was blocking her air supply. But the feeling radiating upwards into the pit of his stomach was incredible, and he couldn't concentrate on such thoughts for long. Then she moaned. The vibrations along, along with the contractions and swirling motion of her tongue were too much. Oh shit, genie, I'm gonna come, said George.
but she didn't move. She kept going as he felt the tightening in his diaphragm. The gooey liquid fired up his cock. Shot after shot splashed against the back of her throat. She never moved, she just swallowed every drop from the most intense orgasm he had ever experienced. She purred like a kitten and moaned sweetly until he finished. When it was over, George almost collapsed as the adrenaline left him. The genie continued to milk him until he was dry and then pulled away. Her mouth popped as his cock sprang free, glistening with saliva. Oh my god! breathed George. That was unbelievable. She blushed before smiling a pretty smile, and then produced a warm wet cloth out of thin air. She wiped him clean with it before folding it, and wiping down her face and her breasts. George watched in complete fascination as the cloth wove in and out of her cleavage, giving it a damp sheen before it disappeared from whence it came. That's a great trick, said George. You're full of all sorts of surprises, aren't you? She smiled wickedly. These are just my secondary abilities, master. We have not even begun to explore what I am capable of. Oh, really? Yes, master, as long as it is sexual, I can do anything with very few limitations. You will see, I am going to make you the happiest master on earth. Of that I have no doubt, he said. Though, he had trouble imagining he could be much happier. She had already given him so much. He wondered how things could possibly get any better. George noticed that his cock was still rock hard and pointing obscenely at her face. Normally he took at least ten or fifteen minutes before he could get hard again. But this time he hadn't even had a chance to get soft. He didn't think much more about it though. In fact he thought it might be a bit insulting not to be hard right away. He reached for her hands and raised her to her feet. Without warning, she embraced him tightly. She wrapped her arms around his shoulders and buried her head in his broad chest. He hesitated before hugging her back. He had never been much of a hugger. He wasn't even completely sure what he was supposed to do. After a few false starts, he enveloped her gently. Before long it felt completely natural. He stroked her hair as he let himself become comfortable. His breathing became slow and steady, his heart thumped calmly, and his trepidation disappeared. He could have stayed that way for days. Are you ready, George? She asked. I think so, he whispered. Are you? She nodded. George reached down and picked her up as gently as he could. She gazed up at him and smiled contently. He climbed onto the bed and laid her head down on the pillow gently. Without thinking, he leaned down to kiss her. She returned it with passion as their tongues danced together, exploring each other. He positioned himself between her legs and lined up his cock with her pussy. Still locked in their kiss, he found her opening and pushed forward. He felt a bit of resistance, and she grimaced in pain. He looked down to see a trickle of blood roll away from her hymen. He hadn't even thought about it, but she must have been a virgin if she hadn't existed before he released her. He felt bad, knowing that there had to have been a more graceful way. Are you all right, Jeannie? He asked quietly. She lay there for a few moments collecting herself before she spoke. Yes, master. There was some pain but it is gone now. Please keep going. I want you so badly. She pleaded. He swallowed hard and pushed further in. Her pussy was tight and warm, but it parted easily enough as he went deeper and deeper. Soon, he was as deep inside her as he could go. She quivered and panted as her pussy got used to the hardness inside her. He backed out slowly and then pushed in again. That's it, master. She cooed. You can go faster. I can take it. He upped his tempo. The feeling was incredible. The contrast between his hardness and her velvety smoothness was not something the guys at work talked about. Her arms were wrapped around his neck. He kissed her there, as they took her again and again. Her breathy sighs turned to moans. Her sweet voice filled his ears with almost unintelligible whispers. This is amazing, he said to her. You feel so good around me. I didn't know it would be this good. I know what you mean, she breathed. To me, all things are possible. And yet, this feels so unreal. I keep wondering if I am dreaming. He brushed a few strands of her hair out of her face and looked deep into her eyes. I hope not. But just in case we are, I want you to know that this is better than I could have ever imagined. No, she moaned. You aren't real. This has to be a dream. He bent down to kiss her again. She breathed her pleasure into him. He felt his sense of self falling away once more. For George there was no greater feeling than being totally lost in the moment with her. His armor was gone, and in its place was the man he had always wanted to be. He was unafraid, powerful, and out of control. Up to that point, it was the greatest moment of his life. 
Before long, she was crying out as a powerful orgasm swept through her. But soon they were back on their previous pace. She breathed throaty lustful breaths as she looked into his eyes, her pleasure beaming up at him. Jimmy, I'm not going to last much longer. He panted. He made to pull away so he could collect himself, but she pulled him in closer, her pussy clamped down even tighter. It started to contract much like her throat had earlier, but the sensations were even more intense. Please master, come inside me. Make me yours forever master. She threw her head back as she came for a second time. Her body quaked and trembled and she screamed. Oh, master. He couldn't take it. He erupted as the waves of his orgasm crashed through him. Jets of his cum poured into her, filling her. The excess leaked out and puddled on the sheets below. He pulled out and rolled to the side. Out of breath, the beauty next to him rolled on top of him and kissed him deeply. He had thought that after that he would be spent, but he was still on fire. He looked down at his cock and saw that it was still hard. He couldn't believe it. After the two most intense orgasms of his life with the most beautiful woman ever, he should have been satisfied. Hey genie, are you doing that? He pointed to his still hard cock. No master, you did that. Remember your wish? I wish to make love to you, which I've now done. That was absolutely incredible, by the way. Was it good for you too? Such a cliche, he couldn't believe he actually asked it. Thank you, master, and yes, that was wonderful. She said happily. But you also said that you did not wish to stop until the morning. And if your clock is correct, we still have about four hours to go. Holy crap, he said quietly. She straddled him and placed his cock at her entrance. I will make love to you, master, until the sun comes up. It is your wish and my command. So please, master, fuck me again, and then again. I need you. She lowered herself, and they began again. For the next four hours the two lovers melted into each other. It wasn't kinky or wild, it was more about the two of them together. They both laughed, and kissed, and joked, and explored. It was real and true. George lost count of the number of times both of them came. But he realized after a while that it wasn't really about who came when. The orgasms would come no matter what. Just being there together was enough. Eventually, the sun began to rise as the two rode out the crests of their last orgasms. She had been on top. As night gave way today the sunrise wrapped around her. Her skin glistened with sweat, and her hair was noticeably more wild than it had been hours before. She had never looked more beautiful in the few hours he had known her. It was almost as if she and the sunrise were battling for who was more captivating. But to George, it was no contest. George knew that his dream was about to end, but felt satisfied that no matter how sleepy he was, he would never forget it. But then he realized that he didn't even know her name. Genie, that isn't your real name, is it? No, master, I am a genie, but I would not call you human. She said. Well, then what is it? I do not have one master. It is a master's responsibility to provide his genie servant with a suitable name. He thought about it, but not for long. He need only look to the only other thing in the world that could come close to matching her beauty. Dawn, he said. Your name is Dawn. Dawn, she repeated. A pleased smile overtook her. I love it, master. She leaned down to kiss him. Hold on, he stopped her. My name isn't master any more than it is human. I'm George. It's a pleasure to meet you, Dawn. Okay, George, her voice cracked. She leaned in and they kissed. Content and exhausted, they fell asleep in each other's arms. Chapter 2 Song of the New Day Light poured in through George's bedroom window and splashed directly across his face. He had tried to fight the growing realization that he was awake by covering himself with a pillow and willing himself back into a dream with Dawn. But he eventually gave up and picked himself up off the bed. He looked around hopefully, but she was nowhere to be found. The mood-enhancing candles and furnishings were gone, and back were his normal everyday, run-of-the-mill stuff. His clothing piled out of his closet, and his various knickknacks and books were strewn about the floor like usual. He let out a heavy sigh as he lay back on his bed. Just the night before, he had experienced a dream so vivid that he was uncertain it was actually a dream. He dreamed of a beauty created just for him, who could grant him any sexual wish he could imagine. He had named her Dawn. But Dawn was gone, as was any evidence that she had ever been there. He felt a sudden sense of loss as he remembered the things she had said to him in her sweet, breathy voice. She had told him it was her purpose to love him unconditionally, to make all his dreams come true. The realization that she didn't exist made him tear up. But then he felt very pathetic laying there, 
trying to hold on to a dream. He chastised himself for letting his fantasies get the better of him. But even still, it was the best dream he ever had. Seeing that it was getting to be two in the afternoon, George got up and strode to the bathroom. He paused, something was not right. He suddenly realized that he was completely naked. George never went to sleep naked. He had always been a sweatpants and t-shirt kind of guy. He stood there confused for a moment before his self-consciousness took over and he felt compelled to clothe himself. He looked around for something clean to wear, which was no easy feat, when he caught his reflection in the mirror over his dresser. His eye, which had been so whimsically healed by dawn in his dream, had not gone back to the puffy shiner that Rocco had left him. Then he heard something coming from downstairs. It sounded like someone was singing. He thought that it could be his mother, but she wasn't supposed to be home until Monday. He reached for a pair of old gray sweatpants and threw them on along with a dark blue t-shirt. He crept out of his room to find the source of the music. He proceeded quietly down the stairs as he followed the song. It was soft and serene, almost ethereal. He couldn't shake the feeling that he wasn't actually hearing it. He thought he could feel it, like it was echoing through his mind. There were no words, they couldn't have done the voice justice. He reached the living room and the source of the song. What he saw stopped him dead in his tracks. There, in the far corner of the room next to an old cabinet, was Dawn. She was examining the various photos that covered the top of the cabinet as she sang happily to herself. She was wearing one of George's white formal dress shirts, which was much too big for her. The sleeves hung down past her delicate fingers and the collar encompassed both her slender neck and her bare right shoulder. Below, she wore a pair of George's boxers which she had rolled up to be as tight as possible across her perfect, heart-shaped bottom. Further down was a pair of long socks pulled up to her knees with two blue bands around the top. Dawn continued to sing, oblivious to George's presence. She bent forward at the waist to pick up a framed picture, her hands still inside the oversized sleeves. Her hair fell forward and she brushed it behind her ear with a single graceful movement. She gazed at the photo wistfully as she sang. Just like she had the first time George saw her, she managed to leave him completely speechless. He could only observe as his perfect woman examined her surroundings serenely. The notion occurred to him that he should get out of there. He still couldn't believe she was real, his mind couldn't grasp the concept. He thought that maybe he was going crazy. He didn't know what to do, but he could only imagine how awkward it would be if she turned and found him there staring at her. He moved to go back upstairs so that he could think about what to do next, when he bumped into a lamp sitting on an end table. George reacted quickly to catch it but it still made a tremendous amount of noise as the lampshade crumpled in his large hands. He looked over at Dawn like a kid with his hand in the cookie jar. She met his nervous gaze with a happy smile on her pretty face. I, uh, I wasn't listening or anything. He stammered. I was just um, on my way to the kick. Before he could finish, Dawn had bounded across the room and flung her arms around him. She caught George completely off guard and knocked him on his back with a loud crash. She landed on top of him and kissed him deeply. Her bright, honey-colored hair fell around him and her sleeve-encased hands rest on his shoulders. George couldn't think. He could no longer hear that voice inside him that told him to be cautious and timid. He could only hold her tightly and kiss her back. Eventually, she broke from the kiss and looked at him with her happy, unguarded eyes. Good more. I mean afternoon, master. He was still reeling from all that had transpired. Are, are you real? He pleaded. She gave him another sweet kiss. This feels real to me, master. Yeah, but are you really real, and not some dream? Said George. She tilted her head and smiled in amusement. I suppose I am a dream in one sense. I was created to your specifications to be everything you need in a partner, and those specifications were taken from your subconscious. But beyond that, I am very much flesh and blood, just like you. He let out a sigh and sat up so that she was sitting on his lap. I'm sorry, that wasn't what I meant. You mean, am I going to disappear and leave you all alone? She finished. George nodded, his eyes downcast. No, master. Unless you wish it, I will never keep my heart from you. He nodded, still unsure of how he was going to handle her. All right, Don. And you can call me George. I am sorry, ma. I mean George. She rolled her eyes at her blunder. It is just that, calling a master by name goes against my subservient nature. Names have power, and by giving me permission to use your name you are allowing me a certain amount of freedom beyond what is typically acceptable between a master and slave. Do you really believe that you are a slave? He asked. Well, I admit that you do not treat me like a slave. But the magic that binds me to you demands that I always be ready to follow your every command. 
and when I use your name I feel like I am your equal rather than your servant. George could tell that she was a bit distressed over the subject of where they stood with each other. He wasn't sure where this relationship was going, but he was certain that he didn't want her to be his slave. To George, that would make him no better than a guy like Rocco. He pulled her close to him and hugged her tightly. Listen to me, Don. He said as he stroked her silky hair. I've never wanted a slave. I am no more a master of you than you are of me. If you really aren't going to disappear. I will not. She said quickly. I believe you. He amended. Then our relationship is going to have to be way more than you fulfilling all of my sexual wishes. I'm sorry if I'm not cooperating with your whole master-slash-slave thing, but I couldn't live with myself if I treated you that way. So, please call me George. And when that nagging voice inside says that you don't deserve to, ignore it, because it's wrong. Okay? Dawn didn't answer, she just buried her face in his neck. He could feel her breathing become labored and the collar of his shirt dampen. She was crying again. He held her even tighter. He wanted to say something that would put the issue to rest, but he could think of nothing. Instead, he focused on her weight on top of him and the wonderful feeling of the two of them together. Finally, he heard her say something, but it was too muffled for him to understand it. What did you say, Dawn? He asked. Dawn pulled away a little so that she could look at him. He understood what she had said immediately. It was written all over her face. She loved him. Her eyes, the colors of a sunrise, spoke volumes. They were slightly puffy from her tears, but that didn't make her any less beautiful, or their meaning any less sincere. She began to vocalize what her eyes had already told him, but he stopped her. He was afraid that her feelings were being coerced by the magical attachments between them. Wait, Dawn, don't say it. Why not? She whispered. I, I don't know. I'm just not ready for that. She looked down and nodded. Very well. Um, would it be all right if I called you Master on occasion? I know that I will have trouble remembering to call you George. I don't really mind if you call me Master. I just don't want you to feel like you have to. How about this? You can call me George in public or when we are just talking. But if you want to call me Master in private, you can do that too. Uh, you are not making this easy on me, George. She whined. He shrugged. Sorry, this is kinda new for me. It's not every day that a beautiful woman wants to call me master. She gave him a sudden quick kiss. George couldn't suppress a grin. What was that for? He asked. That was for telling me that you think I am beautiful. And for your benevolence. You are unlike any master I have ever heard of. He scratched his head nervously. I guess. I mean, it's no big deal, really. As you say. I appreciate your kindness, nonetheless. All right, well, I'm starving. Let's get some break. I mean lunch. They both laughed a bit and stood up. Dawn wiped her eyes on her sleeves. George had to stretch, as his legs had gone a little numb from his position on the floor. While he stretched he took the opportunity to admire Dawn's outfit again. She looked like the embodiment of the sex kitten, and when he remembered some of the fun they had the night before, he couldn't help but get hard again. By the way, I love your outfit, said George. Her expression brightened immediately. I knew you would. I woke about an hour before you did and I wanted to look pleasing for you. I took this ensemble from one of your more pleasant fantasies. George laughed heartily at her premeditated attempts at turning him on. Well, I'll admit that I've been fighting an urge to give you a little smack on the behind. She gasped in mock astonishment. You mean this behind? She turned around and bent at the hips, like she had done when she didn't know anyone was watching, and braced herself against the back of the couch. You know that is very wrong of you. You should not be thinking about taking advantage of such a sweet and innocent-looking girl. It does not matter that you made her a woman the night before, nor does it matter that she wants you to. You should be ashamed of yourself for wanting to take advantage of her affection for you. George was floored by her sudden change in tone, but couldn't deny how sexy she was. He stepped up behind her and gripped her by the hips. She gave him another playful gasp. Oh my! You are really going to do it! That is so bad, so wrong. George laughed again and gave her a light playful smack. He let his hand linger on her ass and rubbed all around her curves. Then he let his hand sink between her legs to rub her pussy through her boxers. Oh no, now look what you are doing! You are touching this poor girl's sore but not nearly fucked enough pussy. All she wanted to do was walk around the house in her man's clothing and daydream about the greatest night of her life. Now it looks like she might get taken over the back of this couch. You mean the only night of your life? Added George. He slipped his thumbs underneath the rolled-up waistband and pulled them down. But George, we are in the living room. 
You cannot just come up behind sexy girls, grab them by the hips, bend them over, and then fuck them senseless in the living room. Someone could walk in and see her big cock sliding in and out of her wet pussy. What would the neighbors think? She was really hamming it up, but she didn't move. George pulled her shorts down to her knees and then pulled down his sweatpants enough so that his rock-hard cock was free. He rubbed the head around her lips of her wet pussy and did his best to tease her. You know what I think? I think you dressed this way on purpose. I don't think you are nearly as innocent as you say. George pushed in and Dawn gasped for real this time. He went in slowly, still afraid of hurting her. But she was wet enough, so he increased his speed. He slid inside her again and again, fucking her hard and fast. She tried to continue talking the whole time, but she was having trouble with the intense pounding. No, no. What would her parents think? They worked, so hard, to raise her right. She is a good girl, oh. She flung her hair back over her shoulders and cried out. As her orgasm approached, she lost her ability to keep making sentences and just started shouting. So wrong. So bad. So good. She needs it. She should fight. Oh no. She, she. She started shaking and screaming as the pleasure washed over her. Her knees buckled and she would have collapsed if George hadn't been holding her hips tightly. He paused to let her recover. But he was soon back to his previous tempo. He felt his own orgasm approaching rapidly. She resumed her roleplay. Oh no, you are going to come soon. You will probably come inside her. And without protection. You could get her pregnant you know. Is that what you want? You want to get this pretty young thing knocked up? This is so unfair. All she wanted was to be a little sexy, and now she is going to get a load of come right up into her womb. Oh, George. Do it. Come inside me. George couldn't take any more. He didn't know if it was just the vigorous nature of the encounter, or the talk about getting her pregnant. But he had never come so hard in his life. He felt like he was coming in quartz, yet none escaped her hungry pussy. It pulled and squeezed like it was trying to devour him. Finally, he finished coming. He pulled out his deflating cock and stumbled backwards, only to fall on the carpet with another loud crash. Dawn collapsed next to him. They were both out of breath and sweating through their clothing. George couldn't help but chuckle at the absurdity of the situation. There he was, his pants around his thighs, his sticky cock hanging out, laying next to a smoking hot genie with her shorts hanging on her knees. Her oversized shirt had fallen open with one of her large breasts exposed. They looked at each other, and they both laughed at the state of things. So, what was it we were supposed to be doing? Asked George. I am not sure, but I think it might have had something to do with you making me lunch. Said Dawn smiling. Oh really? He grinned. She crawled over to him her shorts still around her knees and said, Yep, and you said you were going to make it good because it is going to be my first meal, ever. He kissed her. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get you fat and happy. He had always liked that phrase. His dad had used it all the time before he died. The sudden memory of his long-dead father brought him down from his euphoric high and he realized just how disheveled the both of them had become. Hey Dawn, can I wish for us to be refreshed and clean so that we can enjoy a delicious lunch without feeling gross? He felt the tingle again. Yes, I can do that. Sweet, do it. I suppose a shower would suffice, but I don't want to put off lunch any longer seeing as how dinner is coming up rather quickly. Ah, uh, a shower sounds like fun. She whined. Tingle. Flash. Both of them were instantly clean and rested, like nothing had ever happened. In fact, his clothes were actually cleaner than when he had first put them on. Have I told yet how amazing you are? He asked. Not today. She said sweetly. Well, come on, I'll tell you over lunch. He stood up first and then helped her to her feet. George scoured the kitchen for anything that might resemble a meal. His mother wasn't joking when she had asked him to go food shopping. There was nothing really easy to make, nor was anything particularly enticing. Eventually, he decided that he would make as much as he knew how and hope she liked something. He started with some grilled chicken and a few spices, then put on some packaged noodles. The smells wafting from the chicken delighted Dawn to no end, and George had to hold her hair back to prevent it from catching fire a couple of times, as she bent low over the stove to get a good whiff. As George cooked, Dawn moved around the kitchen, picked up every pot, utensil, and gadget, and examined it gleefully. Her favorite by far was the blender. She found a couple of oranges, an apple, a few grapes, and proceeded to blend the hell out of them. But she forgot the lid. One of the grapes shot across the room and bounced down the hall. Dawn chased after it, 
but she left the blender on and more bits of shredded fruit flew all over the walls and ceiling. In a panic, George tried to cover the opening with his hands. But not before he got a face full of orangey, appley, grapey goop. When Dawn returned from her epic chase, the rogue grape safely trapped in her delicate fingers, her exuberance changed to hysterical laughter at the sight of George's awkward state over the blender. George just rolled his eyes as he waited for her to finish. He thought that the sound of her laughing was particularly divine, even if she was laughing at him. Eventually, she turned off the blender. Then she gave George a kiss on the cheek where a large blob had landed, and sucked it in. The realization that she hadn't peeled the oranges or decored the apple hit her almost immediately. She swallowed it, but proceeded to make disgusted faces until the taste left her. After the battle with the blender, Dawn continued her tour of the kitchen. If anything was edible, she took a nibble and proceeded to describe the sensations in every detail. George watched her from the stove. Her unending delight in the seemingly mundane amused him greatly. She knew what everything was and what everything was supposed to do or taste like. But the experience of those items was what she lacked, and she took it all in hungrily. He also noticed that Dawn had the uncanny knack of discovering which example of any group of like items was the best and why. Dawn's curiosity finally abetted, and she returned to George's side. Can I help? She asked happily. Sure, babe. He handed her a large plastic spoon. Stir those noodles for me. Yeah, like that. Keep it going until most of the water is gone. Okay. Babe. She said heavily. Oh, sorry. He laughed nervously. That just sort of slipped out. My nothing, sorry. It is quite fine, George. What were you going to say? Nothing, it's not important. He said shortly. Oh, please, George. Do not do that. Tell me, tell me. Please. Said Dawn in mock anguish. Well, it's just, my dad used to call my mom that all the time. It was his pet name for her, I think. Oh, she said in quiet astonishment. What did your mother call him? You're going to laugh at me. I would never. However, if you do not tell me, I may not be able to stop a few of these noodles from landing in your hair. She pulled out a particularly large noodle and placed it gingerly along the top of his head. You see, George, the rebellion begins. Okay, okay. She called him hot stuff. Dawn brightened. Ah, they sound cute together. Yeah, they were inseparable. My mom told me that, when they first started dating, she was in college a couple states away. He was some hotshot new lawyer in a big-time law firm. But he quit his job so he could move closer to her. That is so romantic. She squealed. Now I know where you get it from. Nah, he was the master. He would make out with her right in the middle of a mall, or when we were out at dinner. The man had no shame. Shame is overrated. I bet your mother went weak in the knees when he did that. She would complain a little, but you could tell she was into it. He flipped the chicken. Good times, good times. George. Yeah, Don? You can call me babe if you want to. George's stomach did a backflip. He wasn't used to someone being so nice to him so easily and the feeling was slightly uncomfortable. But it felt good too. However, all the talk about his father had given him the sudden urge to change the subject. So where did that little role play come from? He asked. Don said. It just came to me all of a sudden. Did you like it? Surprisingly, yes. I had never really thought about getting a girl pregnant before, but it was hot. She stirred the noodles absentmindedly. The look on her face suggested that she was thinking very hard about something. Finally, she said, I think part of me really wants to be taken advantage of. Well, that doesn't sound that surprising, said George. You did say that it was in your nature to be subservient. Right, but being subservient just means that I would be below you like a slave or an underling. This is different. It is like I want to be independent and capable and strong around you, but I also want to be made to accept my place as your personal whore. Oh, sorry, pardon my language. George laughed and said, Liking sex doesn't make you a whore. It doesn't? She asked hopefully. Of course not. Being a whore implies that you gave up your integrity to get what you want. All you've done is use sex to show affection. If that's not the most noble usage of sex, then I don't know what is. That is true, I suppose. Thank you, George. She hugged him tightly, forgetting her job of stirring the noodles. Besides, I already have what I want. Dawn continued. The part about you taking advantage of me was mostly my idea, although I had a feeling you would enjoy seeing an innocent girl in a less than favorable position. As for the part about getting me pregnant, part of my makeup leads me to believe that you would like the idea of having children. 
Well, like I said, I haven't ever really thought about it. To be honest, I was starting to worry that I would never have any opportunities. Suddenly he realized that they hadn't taken any precautions to prevent her from actually getting pregnant. Can you, uh, you know? Can I get knocked up? Only if you wish it. But since I was created for you, and you desire to have children, it is a part of me as well. What does that mean, that you were created for me? Who created you? And why? George asked. He had many questions about her abilities, but wasn't quite sure how to ask about them. Sorry, George, I guess I have been rather vague about myself. I will explain everything, do not worry. She tilted her head slightly, and her face squashed up as she thought. Where should I start? She thought out loud. Well, so far, all I know is that you can grant all of my sexual wishes, you have a great voice, you're really intelligent and intuitive, you like fat guys, you want children, and you're smoking hot. Other than that, I'm pretty much in the dark. Why don't you just start at the beginning and we'll go from there? Ah, the beginning. The perfect place to start. She added laughing. And I do not like fat guys, thank you very much. I like one guy who is big and strong and nice and makes me come very hard. Anything else is purely coincidence. What was I saying? The beginning. Oh yes, thank you. My story begins many years ago, sometime during the height of the Persian Empire. My mother was a young and beautiful tar player who fell in love with an aging nobleman. He courted her outside of marriage, and I was the result of their union. But my father was old, and less than thrilled at the prospect of an illegitimate son. Wait, hold on, time out. Are you telling me you're a dude? He asked worried. No, George, no. Dear me, no. I was born a boy, yes. But once I was turned into a genie servant, I ceased to be that person and became raw potential. You saw it as a pink glowing mist. Are you sure? He said with a raised eyebrow. Well, I was. She dragged out. But as my master, you are welcome to check if you like. She adopted a playful grin. George wasn't really worried that she was a boy. He felt like he understood what she had been saying up to that point. But he wasn't going to turn down an invitation to check. He dropped the fork he was using to prod the chicken and moved behind her. He reached up and squeezed her big perky breasts playfully through her shirt. She gasped. Hey, mister. Those are mine. She said in mock anger. She made no move to stop him. Nah, they're mine. You're just holding them for me. He laughed. He reached down and rubbed her mound through her shorts as he ground his erection into her perfect butt. She bent a little to meet him. H, hey. I am trying not to burn these noodles. She said weakly. She leaned her head back against his shoulder. He reached up and brushed her hair aside so that he could nuzzle her neck. George was enjoying that closeness. Perky breasts and tight butt aside, he really liked being together with her. He kissed her neck tenderly and moved his hands underneath her shirt to rest them on her flat stomach. Hmm. She moaned. Dawn reached up with one hand and ran her fingers through George's dark hair. The other struggled to keep stirring the noodles. After about a minute of wandering touches and sweet kisses, Dawn said softly, I really like this. I like being here with you like this. Me too. Was all he could manage. Dawn turned so that she could kiss him properly. So? Are you satisfied? She asked with a smile. Not even a little bit. But I do believe that you are not a boy. Well, that is a relief. She said jokingly. The two exchanged a look of mutual enchantment. George was embarrassed, and his first inclination was to look away, but he suppressed the urge quickly. For the first time in a very long while, George was completely happy. He embraced the feeling and let it take him over. Suddenly, the chicken started spitting and sizzling differently to signify that it was done. George was snapped from his reverie and turned his attention to their food. Chicken's done. How are those noodles coming? Nothing brown. Is that a good sign? She asked. They both leaned in to confirm that the noodles were ready. When their faces were mere inches away, Dawn turned and gave George a quick kiss on his cheek. George's stomach did another backflip. Um, good job, babe. Now go into that cupboard up there, know the other one, right, and get a couple of plates. Split the noodles evenly and I'll add the chicken. The two sat down next to each other at the breakfast table and dug in. To George's amazement, the food was actually better than he had ever made it before. Wow, this is better than I remember. What the heck did I do to it? Dawn devoured the noodles quickly, moaning in appreciation. She then started in on the chicken more slowly but with no less adulation. It was part of your wish. You wanted us clean so that we could enjoy a delicious lunch together. Anyway, what was I saying before? Asked Dawn. George was slightly alarmed. 
He'd have to be more careful with his wishes if she was going to read so far into them. Ah, uh, boy, he said finally. Right, thank you. My father was powerful and imagined a plot by my mother to blackmail him. Much of his fortune had already been bled dry by his excessive gambling anyway. He was angry at me and my mother. In a drunken rage, he tossed me from a balcony into a nearby alley. That's terrible, said George somberly. Agreed. I survived the fall, but I was damaged beyond saving. Naturally, my mother was quite upset and ran through the streets looking for a healer who could set me right. But each one turned her down, as it was clear to all but my mother that I did not have long. Eventually, her cries were heard by a sorcerer, who saw an opportunity to gain the favor of a beautiful young woman. He knew of no spell that could save me directly. However, he did know of one that could summon a major genie. In exchange for performing the extremely difficult and costly incantation, she would be required to become the sorcerer's wife. She agreed, and the sorcerer cast the spell. When the genie appeared and listened to my mother's plea, he was so moved by her selflessness and willingness to give anything for the life of her child that he offered her a bargain instead. In exchange for me, he would grant my mother one wish, any wish that she could imagine. Wow, one wish. Anything you could dream of. Marvel George. So, what did she wish for? He had stopped eating and sat on the edge of his seat as he listened to Dawn's tale. Dawn reached for his hand and held it tightly. She gazed lovingly deep down into him. She wished that no matter what my fate may be, that I'd be happy, blessed, and most of all, that I'd be truly loved, for as long as I live. George was taken aback. Out of all the things she could have wished for, all the money and power, eternal life even, and she used her one wish on you. Dawn nodded. That's, that's awesome. He said quietly. When the major genie heard my mother's wish, he granted it with pleasure. He told my mother that I was going away for a while, but that I would return one day when someone who would be capable of giving me that life emerged. They would be courageous, cunning, kind, loyal, just, adventurous, and would show me a perfect love. Just like the love I would give them in return. As she turned me over to the genie, she sang to me one last time. Inspired, the genie made sure that the one who would someday open my vessel would know that song. That I would not appear until the song was played again on my mother's tar. And you think that I'm that person? She nodded. George didn't know what to say. While he was impressed with Dawn's story, and her mother's wish, he had trouble believing that he was the one who could meet the conditions of Dawn's vessel. He must have stayed quiet for too long because Dawn interrupted his funk. George, what are you thinking? I was just thinking that your vessel made a mistake. Appalled, she asked. Why would you say that, George? Well, I mean, sure, I know the song, but I'm not anyone special. I'm just, just, just George. Yeah. And if you were any other way, the vessel would not have opened for you. A wish is a wish, as long as the proper conditions are met and it is worded carefully, the effects are unlimited and absolute. I still think the vessel is a bit premature. I mean, I've never been particularly courageous or adventurous. I do not believe you give yourself enough credit. You may not show all of those qualities now, but you will. Otherwise, you would never have known the song needed to open the vessel. George sighed. You may not believe this, Don, but I'm kind of a loser. I wasn't on the honor roll. I wasn't captain of the football team. I've never left the country. I've never had a girlfriend. Hell, I've only had one friend in my entire life. All those things may be true, but that doesn't make you a loser. Timid, maybe. Unlucky, more likely. But please do not call yourself a loser. Yeah, well, you're biased. She laughed. You got me there. George still wasn't convinced, but decided to drop the subject. He didn't like talking about his qualities or his shortcomings. So, what happened to your mother? I do not know for sure. The genie did not impart to me any more knowledge of my family. Nor do I know anything about the sorcerer. But I like to believe that my mother led a long and happy life. Maybe her descendants still live on somewhere. She stared off into the distance and wore a faraway look. Do you miss her? Asked George. Not really, I did not know her for longer than a few hours. But she seemed to be a good person, and I am thankful that she loved me enough to want to save me. I think I would have liked to have known her. But I am with you now, the one who would make my mother's wish come true. I have no regrets. George thought that he should say something that would console her. But she didn't seem to be upset at all. The memory of her long dead parent wasn't some weight that held her down like it did George. It made him remember his father and curse his own weakness. So, that instrument, it's called a tar? Yes, a Persian tar to be more precise. It is a precursor to your modern guitar actually.
Lucky for me it plays almost the same way. So you were inside that thing for? George did some figuring in his head. Over two thousand years? Yes. But the passage of time is not felt inside the vessel. Nor did I have any knowledge of the outside world. It is difficult to explain. So, you only know what the major genie wanted you to know? Almost. I also have a basic understanding of the world, as told through your experience. Once you opened the vessel, certain types of knowledge were imparted to me. For instance, language, customs, technology, mathematics, and history. Of course, there are still a few blank spots. Slang, for starters. George laughed. That's gonna be fun. So, why did this genie make you into a genie servant? I mean, why didn't he just make you healthy, so you could live with your mother? Dawn stopped eating to think. That's a good question. Genies can be prone to doing things on a whim just like humans can be. And their whims tend to have more of an impact on the world. However, in this case, I am not so sure it was just a whim. What do you mean? It is difficult to explain. I have this feeling that you were chosen for more than just fulfilling my mother's wish. As wonderful as you are, I am sure that another could have come before you. Perhaps the major genie required that I be in this time. I wonder. George wondered along with her. Maybe, maybe something happened to your vessel, and it was lost. That is a very remote possibility. The magic of the vessel is extremely powerful, if limited in its scope. She wondered for a bit longer, but eventually gave up with a shrug. It is probably nothing. If it was truly important, my creator would given me the knowledge. All right, so you were in the vessel for two thousand some odd years, and then I released you? Exactly, Dawn said as she chewed. When you played the tune, you released my essence, my incorporeal form, which is raw potential at that point. I had no thoughts or senses, only the need to find a master. Part of the magic of the genie's vessel is to facilitate a genie's intended owner in actually receiving the genie's essence. This mostly means that you needed to be alone and safe. Once I was free, I took on the physical and mental characteristics that would make me your ideal partner. My perfect woman, huh? Said George. Well, I would not presume so much as to say I am perfect. But as far as you are concerned, I am nothing more or less than exactly what you need at any given moment. So that's what you mean when you say you are created to my specifications? Yes, she said simply. But I didn't even know what my ideal match would be until I met you. Dawn leaned over and kissed him quickly. Then you are pleased? The meaning of what he had just said struck him. Dawn, so far I couldn't be more pleased. She flashed a delightful smile as she giggled nervously. Thank you very much, George. But you are right, because your experience with love had not gone beyond longing. I was forced to dig deeper into your desires than is normal. Most of what I am has come from your subconscious. And I had to fill in the gaps when there was something that had never even occurred to you on any level. It is possible that there may be a few things about me that you are initially put off by. But as we spend more time together I will learn more about what you want and need, and you can always make a wish if you prefer that I act differently. Let's not do that. That seems pretty unfair to you. Everyone deserves the right make a few mistakes. Dawn didn't say anything. She took a few more bites of her food and George could see that she was having trouble keeping her smile in check. Eventually Dawn asked, George, if you don't mind me asking, how did you come upon my vessel? George ate his food as he spoke. I found it at my work. I was cleaning up so I could go home for the day when I found this weird-looking guitar sitting right out in the open. I figured somebody left it behind on accident, so I was going to bring it with me on Monday to try and give it back. Fat chance of that happening now. You could if you wanted to. She added, I am not tied to the vessel anymore now that I am bonded to you. So someone else having the tar would make little difference. Well, that's good to know. He chortled. But what I meant was, I'm not going to give you up to whoever owned the thing before, even if they were some major genie. She smiled happily. Thanks, hot stuff. George rolled his eyes again. But seriously, George, you do not know how happy it makes me to hear you say that. You really do not know what it means to have control of a genie servant, do you? I guess not. If I'm doing something wrong, you'll correct me, right? That is what I am talking about, George. Do you not see? You cannot do wrong by me. Whatever you think is correct is what is correct. My affection for you will never change no matter how you treat me. She sounded a bit exasperated. I understand what you're saying, but if I can't do anything to upset you or hurt you, can I really do anything to make you happy? I mean, I'm trying to say, is what you and I feeling real if it can't be contested? She thought for a moment before answering. I'm afraid I cannot speak for you, George. 
As for me, I know how I feel, and it feels real. That is all I need. And there is no other way that I can be, so we might as well accept that I will always feel this way. She moved closer to him and looked up at him with her gorgeous eyes. Is that not comforting? Is that not what true love is? George looked away feeling embarrassed. I'm sorry, Dawn. I'm just not used to this type of thing being so easy. You were right when you said that I haven't had much luck with women. There is no need to be sorry. I am not your typical woman in any case. And besides, I know what you really mean. I feel similar. I was not prepared to find out that my master would treat me so well. If you like, I can give you some advice. Yeah, please do. Thank you. I have not known you long, but I can tell what kind of person you are. If it is your desire to make me happy, just as it is mine to make you happy, then you are doing a very good job. You should do what you think is right by you. And if that means making me feel like the luckiest girl on earth. She placed the back of her hand on her forehead in an exaggerated woe is me pose. Then I am prepared to bear that burden. George couldn't help but laugh. And George, remember that we've known each other less than 24 hours. Many of these questions will be sorted out in time. She smiled and finished eating her food. This was really great by the way. Thank you very much for lunch. She hugged him again. You helped. What do you think you want to do for dinner? I do not know. She thought out loud. There is so much I have not even tasted. I think I might have an idea. My mom has an account with a local sandwich shop that delivers. She often gets food for me and my sisters from there and charges her account. I know the owner. He won't mind if I use the account too. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Do they have any fruit? Asked Dawn excitedly. Yeah, they actually make really great smoothies there. I bet they even have one with apples, oranges, and grapes. Sans peels and cores, of course. Ooh, you said that with great significance. She said. She smiled wryly as she pointed a finger at him. I'm just saying. Laughed George. Okay, I'll go order for us. He called the sandwich shop and ordered four different kinds of sandwiches, two large soups, a smoothie for each of them, and some bread for dipping. He wanted to have a large enough spread so that she could try lots of different things. He thought about how strange it was to enjoy himself so much. Even mundane actions like eating seemed like an adventure around her. Everything felt new and exciting. He hadn't felt so alive since he was a child. George returned to the kitchen to find Dawn still sitting in her chair. Something was different about her though. She was facing him, her perfectly shaped thighs clamped together. Her back arched, and she thrust her breasts forward. George could see a bit more cleavage peeking through the top of her oversized dress shirt. She held on to the bottom of her chair with her arms rigid at her sides. She looked at him innocently and seductively. George, I am still hungry. She purred. Oh, uh, I think there is still a few grapes around here somewhere. Hmm, I was thinking more along the lines of something needy. Oh? Yes, something nice and long that I can taste for a while. Something that I could wrap my lips around and feel sliding over my tongue. Something warm and hard, with a gooey center. Do you have anything like that for me? George gulped and stepped towards her. Her innuendo was so thick that even he could picked up on it. He was still nervous, but his cock became hard almost instantly. Oh, it looks like you just might. Do you think I could have a little taste? Just a little? Please? She licked her lips lightly. George was so suddenly horny that he wanted to just rip her clothes off and take her over the kitchen table. He thought she looked so cute and sexy. But he restrained himself. He wanted to see where this encounter was going. Well, he said. I suppose. But only because you asked so nicely. He strode forward until he was standing over her thighs and pulled his pants down just enough to let his cock out. It pointed directly at her pretty face. She beamed at him. Thank you, George. If I behave myself do you think I could have another little taste later? We'll see. You show me how much of a good girl you can be and I'll consider it. For you, George, I can be the best girl. She leaned forward and wrapped her succulent lips around the head of his cock. She wasted no time and slid all the way down his shaft sucking and slurping obscenely as she wetted his length. Like the blowjob she had given him the previous night, she didn't use her hands. Her arms remained rigid as she gripped the bottom of her chair. But unlike the first, this was much more messy and vigorous. MMPH, MMPH, umph, were the sounds she made in her cute, breathy, muffled voice. She bobbed up and down quickly and sloppily. Drops of saliva and precum mixed together before dripping down on the front of her shirt, then down into her cleavage. Ugh, hey Don, you are going to ruin my shirt like that. Mm, though he horth. 
was all she could manage with his big cock down her throat. Without moving her hands, the buttons of her shirt unfastened themselves one by one until her beautiful tits were exposed. George reached down and ran his large fingers through her hair and held it back so he could watch his cock slide all the way in, and then all the way out again as her tits bounced wildly. The visual was quickly pushing him over the edge, and he grunted in ecstasy. She must have known how close he was, because she slowed down and held just the head in her mouth until he came back down. Then she returned to her exuberant blowjob. George desperately tried to think of ways to prolong the experience. Suddenly he had an idea. Why not ask her about her abilities now? It would help get his mind thinking about other things at least. So, uh, as my genie, oh, what kind of things can you, well, crap, do? He managed as she bobbed up and down. She swallowed all of him and held there for a moment which elicited a gasp from George. Then she pulled out slowly and started licking his shaft top to bottom. My slurp primary, MMPH, abilities are for umph, giving you any physical. She took him all the way in again, and he could feel her tongue swirl around him. She pulled out again and continued. Or mental pleasure. Ugh, I got that part. What else? Dawn kept up her messy tongue bath as she continued. I can change your slurp, appearance as well as my own, slurp, to anything you like. MMPH. She moaned as she took his head and swirled her tongue around it again. I can also, slurp, facilitate sex with any other person, MMPH, that you desire. Okay, ugh, can I wish that you feel what I'm feeling right now? Her eyes went wide. Mmm. Do it. Holy shit. Suddenly Dawn started to squirm and quiver as she worked his cock harder and faster. She moaned loudly and uncontrollably as she could feel what it felt like to give herself a blowjob. George realized this might not have been such a good idea because now nobody was in control to bring them down. He thought quickly. Wait, wait, tell me what else you can do. Neither of us can come until you tell me everything. He said this just in time because he could feel himself about to blow. Now they were both trapped just before the point of no return. The pleasure was intense and made George's head foggy. Dawn groaned in frustration as she sucked him hard in a vain attempt to get herself off. Finally, she pulled away and went back to licking him. I can, MMPH, create fictional scenarios, MMPH, without limit. I can read slurp minds I have, MMPH, abilities for blending into my, hmm, environment. MMPH. I could suck your big beautiful cock forever. She lost control of herself for a moment. She was panting and sweating, and she screamed with George's cock in her mouth. Her eyes watered. When she regained some semblance of control over herself, she continued. I can slow down time, hmm. I can protect you from harm, slurp. I can keep you young until we die. I can do anything. Just let me feel you come down my throat. Please. The two finally exploded as their climax overtook them. George pulled her head all the way down his cock and held her there. Dawn, with her arms still rigid at her sides, cried out in muffled pleasure. Long ropes of his cum drained into her, and she gulped it down gladly. George could see her tummy contract and shake as her own orgasm crashed through her. As his cock softened George, backed away slowly. Inch after inch of his cock slid out of her warm wet mouth. The head popped free and Dawn gasped for breath. Wow. She breathed. I am really good. They both laughed as they tried to catch their breath. George said, Let's keep that wish going from now on. Whenever you make me feel any sort of pleasure, you feel it too. Will that work? He felt the tingling again. Yes, George, and thank you for that. I really loved giving you blowjobs before. But now I think I am really, really going to love it. The magical washcloth appeared once more, and she cleaned both of them slowly and deliberately. She gave his flaccid cock a sweet little kiss before putting it away. Bye-bye, Hot Stuff Junior. I will see you soon. She said in a sing-song voice. He laughed again. He had never laughed so much in one day. Where did that come from? I mean, I'm not complaining at all. It was incredible but I didn't even wish for that. You are not the only one who desires, George. I wanted to thank you properly for being such a kind and generous master. And I realized it had been almost an hour since I had your cock in me, so I decided to show a little initiative. Part of my makeup suggests that you would like your woman to show some initiative from time to time. George knelt down between her sexy legs and rested his hands on her thighs. He leaned in and kissed her flat stomach. That's true, but you didn't have to give me a blowjob to thank me. Oh, but I wanted to, George. I really love sucking your cock. If you would let me, I would be fucking your brains out all day long. Oh, sorry, I got a little carried away. 
Please excuse my vulgarity. George reached up and massaged her tits. Dawn moaned in response. You know, you tried to look innocent, but you are really a dirty girl. I am sorry, George. I just cannot help it. I want to be good, really. But when you touch me like that you make me so wet. Her shirt had fallen almost completely off and it hung uselessly around her elbows while she ran her fingers through George's hair. Wow, you are really sensitive there, huh? He said as he pinched her nipples. Uh-huh. She moaned. I will admit that I was surprised to see how large my breasts were when I first materialized. But I like them, and I really like the way you like them. Dawn leaned her head back and moaned as George took one in his mouth. Oh, George, please fuck me again. You are driving me wild. I'll do you one better. I wish to, how did you put it, fuck your brains out. Her eyes flashed gold, and the tingle returned. She gasped and began to tremble. Oh, yes, George. Take me to paradise with your big thick cock. He became hard instantly. Even though he had just come, he felt totally rejuvenated. George reached underneath her legs and picked her up off of her chair. He then wiped the dishes off the kitchen table in one swoop of his arm, letting them crash to the floor. He laid Dawn on top of it and ripped her boxer shorts off. He was on fire. He couldn't even think. Suddenly, something in him began to guide his movements. First, it showed him the precise angle from which to enter her from. Then, it told him what to do with his hands as he caressed her big tits. Finally, it revealed what his lips were for, and he kissed her passionately before moving down to suck on her nipples. Dawn cried out again and again as she could feel the pleasure she was giving George as well as her own. The invisible guide controlled George like it was training him how to make love to Dawn. Everything it showed him was exactly what he needed to do to bring Dawn closer to a climax. And climax she did. She screamed as her whole body quaked with the waves of her orgasm. George felt her pussy contract and moisten even further. But George wasn't done. The guide told him to flip her over and take her from behind. He obeyed unconsciously. His only thoughts were of admiration for Dawn's incredible body and the sweet wordless moans and screams she made. He reached forward and took hold of her silky golden brown hair, gripping it tightly. Dawn could do nothing but brace herself as George held her off the floor and ground his cock into her, stimulating every part of her exactly as she needed it. His hands held onto her hips and ass, and massaged her as she came again, this time even harder than the first. Dawn looked back at George with a delirious look and tried to string some sort of sentence together. But all she could muster were the beginnings of a few words that didn't make sense to George. A few tears had escaped her beautiful lust-filled eyes. But George was still not finished. He was close to his own orgasm and the invisible guide prodded him toward one last position. George picked her up carefully and brought her over to the living room couch. He laid down face up and held her so that she was facing away from him. He then lifted her up and lowered her onto his pole. Dawn's breathing was erratic and quick. She gasped and wailed as he forced her up and down his shaft. Adrenaline fueled his muscles as he gripped her by the hips and worked the proper angles as he was guided. He could feel the pressure in the pit of his stomach, and he knew he was going to come soon. He suddenly had the urge to say something to her to push her over the final barrier. He sat up and whispered through her feathered hair. Master has you. Her body went rigid and she let out a broken lust-filled scream, her spasming pussy pushing him over the edge, and he exploded within her. Dawn rode out the intense pleasure. When it was over, her body went limp. Her arms fell uselessly to her sides. Her head fell back against his shoulder. All of her primal moans ceased. She had passed out. George laid on the couch with Dawn lying on top of him for a few minutes as he caught his breath. He was tired and sore, relieved and content. As his senses gradually returned to him, he began to realize that Dawn was still not moving. Dawn? Dawn? She did not stir. George was now starting to get very worried. He slid out from under her and knelt beside the couch. He could see that she was still breathing. He checked her pulse and her heartbeat seemed fine. He shook her a bit and called her name again. Nothing. Oh no. He thought. I've fucked her into a coma. George began to panic. He thought that maybe he should call a doctor. But what would he tell them? Well you see, I was fucking her brains out when she lost consciousness. You think there is a connection? He racked his brain trying to think of something that could help. Then he remembered. What about a wish? Did she have to be awake to grant them? I wish for Dawn to be safe, healthy, clean, and comfortable. He declared. Dawn was suddenly clothed in a comfy-looking set of light blue cotton pajamas. The top was a tank top with the belly cut out of it, and the bottoms hugged her curves lightly. A pillow appeared beneath her head. 
She breathed softly and evenly. Her body was no longer sweaty and flushed. It was clean and relaxed, just as he wished. George let out an audible sigh of relief. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. Delivery from Walt's witches, came a girl's voice. George recognized it as Lindsay, the sandwich shop owner's daughter. George had gone to high school with her. She had been the closest thing that he ever had to a girlfriend prior to dawn. George quickly fixed his disheveled clothing and composed himself as best he could before striding to the front door. Hey, George, said Lindsay happily. I've got your order. How have you been? You look good. Lindsay had always had the habit of talking very quickly whenever she was around him. George never had a clue why. He had always liked her, as she had been one of the few people who ever stood up for him in high school. But she was always a nerd herself and her voice never had much clout, no matter how right she always was. However, George was shocked when he caught sight of her. She had always been cute in that nerdy girl sort of way, but she looked downright sexy as she stood in the doorway. She had long, deep red hair which she always wore up in a ponytail. Her freckly face was devoid of glasses and George caught sight of her pretty green eyes for the first time. He had never remembered her for her figure, but the skin-tight jean shorts and small bright yellow polo shirt brought them into full focus. Her legs looked toned and tan. Apparently, George had stared too long because Lindsay quietly let loose in. Ahem. Oh right. Sorry. You look good, too Lindsay. Stammered George. She giggled. You always wear charmer. Mind if I come in? She pushed her way past George and set the bag full of food on the kitchen table. She looked around in bewilderment at the level of devastation. The kitchen walls were covered in fruit guts, the contents of the pantry were partially sprawled out over the floor, and several dishes were smashed. Jesus, what happened in here? I, uh, was making lunch and, uh... Yeah, I see that. She interjected. Maybe you should leave the lunches to us, EY. George had always been unsure of how to handle Lindsay's prickly demeanor. Though she was always nice to him, she was also headstrong and intimidating. Yeah, suppose so. The two stood in the kitchen for an uncomfortable moment before Lindsay began again. So, what have you been up to? It's been over a year since I saw you last. Did you get into any colleges? No, he said meekly. I tried community college for a semester, but as it turns out, a lot of people from our high school go there too. They didn't make it easy on me. She looked pissed. You know that really bites. I never understood why they laid into you so much. George shrugged. Easy target, I guess. What about a university? Your grades were good enough to get into state. I thought about it, said George. But I couldn't leave my mom. She's had a hard time ever since. Well, you know. Yeah, I know, she said dejectedly. But what about you? How are you liking state? Oh, I love it. I'm like a whole new woman. I joined a sorority, and things are never dull. That explained the new look. That's cool. So are you home for the summer? Yep, she said happily. I'm earning a little money at dad's shop so that I won't have to work so hard during the school year. He really needs the help anyway. What about you? You work? Uh, yeah, I teach kids how to swim down at the wellness center. Oh, wow. I can definitely picture you doing that. You've always been good with kids. But things are good? Well, things have been pretty much the same. She cringed. That bad, huh? Yeah, but lately things have been looking up. Well, that's good at least. I really miss you, George. She looked at him bashfully for a moment. We, uh, we should hang out sometime, before I have to go back. We can catch up. Uh, yeah. Definitely, need to do that. Always the charmer. She laughed. Well, I'd better get going. The shop doesn't really get anything done unless I'm there. She started to walk back towards the door, but stopped when she noticed Dawn sleeping soundly on the couch. Oh, what's with Sleeping Beauty? George suddenly felt like this might not end well. Oh, um, that's Dawn, my girlfriend. She looked at him in shock. You have a girlfriend? She dragged out. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh-huh, and where did you find her? She's hot, admitted Lindsay reluctantly. George thought about telling her about how she sprung forth from a two-millennia-old Persian tar to grant him all his sexual wishes, but thought better of it. Actually, she sort of found me. Oh, well, that's great. Good for you, George, she said unconvincingly. Well, I'll um call you. Yeah, definitely. Um, bye, she said. She moved for the door rapidly and let herself out. George couldn't help but feel relieved. Normally he would have been glad to see Lindsay, but he was too focused on Dawn to really give her the attention she deserved. 
He looked over to where Dawn was sleeping with the hope that she would be awake. But she lay there blissfully. He decided that he would let her rest when he noticed the mess Lindsay had pointed out to him. He wandered around the kitchen and cleaned up as best he could while Dawn slept. After a short while, however, George became very lonely again. He kept shooting glances at the couch hoping to see Dawn stir, but she didn't. With his heart definitely not into the cleaning, he walked back over to Dawn and sat on the floor next to the couch. He could see a small contented smile around the edges of her mouth. George desperately wanted to kiss her or touch her or talk to her, anything to stop him from thinking about how lonely he was without her. Eventually, he settled on stoking her pretty hair. As his large hand caressed her, he thought about all that had happened in the past few hours. She had come into his life so swiftly that he could scarcely believe that she was real. But he had too. The alternative was just too painful. It made his insides ache just to think about it. Dawn, he said softly. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I guess it doesn't matter. I just really need to say this. I think that if I don't do it now I may never have the nerve to again. He breathed heavily as he continued. I made a mistake when I was young, and I've been paying for it ever since. There was someone that I loved very much, who loved me very much, who I took for granted. It was my dad. I assumed that he would always be there, that no matter what happened I'd be okay with him around. But he died. I've never been able to feel that way about anyone ever since. He swallowed hard. I was too afraid of losing it. That's why I don't have many friends. At times it's been really hard to carry on. I thought about ending it once or twice. But ever since you came around with your sweet voice, and your pretty hair, and your hot body, and your eyes, I can feel those barriers I put up falling away. And I feel myself needing you more and more with each passing moment. I don't know if you know this, but I almost cried this morning when you weren't there. God, that's so pathetic, but it's true. And then I heard you singing and I wanted to run away, because I thought that if you were real then it couldn't last, I would lose you. But I'm tired of running. I'm going to make a promise to you, and to myself. I promise to never take you, or your abilities, or any part of you for granted. I promise that I won't push you away. In fact, let's make it a wish. I wish to never take you for granted. I wish for every day with you to be at least as amazing as this one. He had begun to cry and hastily wiped his eyes on his shirt. At the very least, I want to thank you for making my life worth living again. You came at a time when what I needed most was for someone to take a chance on me. You saved me. I'll never forget that. Just then George heard a sniffle come from Dawn. She opened her eyes slowly. A torrent of tears winded their way down her cheeks. Sorry, I was listening, she said softly. George held her hand and continued to stroke her hair. For how long? he asked. Ever since you called me your girlfriend. Her voice cracked heavily. Is that okay with you? I mean, if it's not I understand I just... Stop it, she said quickly. I am yours. In whatever way you want, I am yours. He merely nodded. You do not believe me? It's not that. I... He tried desperately to get the words out, but Dawn's heavenly gaze brought him closer to a place he had been afraid to go for so long. I don't know. He whispered. Dawn raised herself off the couch so that she was at eye level with him. She looked deep into his eyes and was about to say something when George stopped her. Don't. He interrupted. I am sorry. You are my master, and your wish is my command. But you need to hear this, as much as I need to say it. Please do not stop me. He couldn't fight it anymore. He couldn't even speak. All of his past guilt and self-loathing was silenced for a moment. For the first time, George wanted someone to love him. All he could do was hang his head and wait. Dawn made him look at her by pulling his chin forward with a gentle nudge from her delicate fingers. She then held his hands tightly and gave him a look that he could swear was familiar. It was gentle and fearless. It was forgiving and shameless. It was everything she was in its purest form. It was absolute heaven. I do not care if you believe me or not. I do not care if you have earned it or not. I love you. I always will. And someday, you will realize how much. George didn't know what to do. Part of him wanted to run. Part of him didn't want to believe it. But one overwhelming part of him began to hope, and it took him over. Finally, after years of feeling fearful, and lonely, and broken, he was whole. He wasn't completely fixed, but the missing pieces were finally there. He could see his whole life laid out before him as one long string of glorious experiences with Dawn by his side. His thoughts broke him down, and his veneer of cold self-sufficiency melted away. All that was left was the belief that he was loved. He cried. 
He cried harder than he ever had before. Dawn pulled him close, kissed his forehead, and held him tightly. They stayed that way for a long time. Continued in part two.